Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN with Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champ. I'm Randy Carrick. Great to have you with us. I'm just sending a tweet here. To our friends at SportsCenter who had their top 10 baseball plays of the year. Not that they were paying attention to baseball during the six months of the baseball season, but uh, they had their top 10 defensive plays, CD. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. And they neglected one barehanded play by Nolan Arenado in Arizona. And so I uh, I am tweeting SportsCenter, um, forgot one, and then putting the video up with it just so that <laughs> just so that uh, so that they know if they check their Twitter notifications that Randy Carricker vehemently disagrees with their top ten, and that we we are watching. Yeah, we are paying attention well, to what you all maybe maybe not so much, but we are. Yeah, and maybe the the best play by a third baseman in the history of the sport was number ten when Arenado threw out the runner at home yeah. uh, after the backhanded dive. Yeah. I mean, we we talked about that when it happened, that it was an amazing play by an amazing third baseman, maybe possibly the greatest third baseman to play this game when it's all said and done. Um, And you should give him some more love, SportsCenter. Yeah, we'd appreciate that. No doubt about that. Arenado did get involved in the action yesterday. As the Cardinals played game number 162, it was a 5-3 loss in Pittsburgh, but the Cardinals... They got ahead before they kind of checked out. Tommy Edmond with an RBI hit in the first inning. Edmond scoring on an error in the uh, later in the first inning, and then in the third inning with Edmond aboard, it was the aforementioned Nolan Arenado. And the one-one, Arenado base hit into right. Edmond being waved in. Sawinski's throw is not in time, and Tommy scores standing up. Arenado drives in his 103rd. And the Cardinals add to their lead. It's 3-0. But Matthew Libertor couldn't make that lead stand up. He went five innings. He allowed five runs on six hits. Walked four, Kerry, and uh, struck out uh, three. And we're getting to that point now where it's been a couple of years for Matthew Libertor. We gave him the break for 2020 because he didn't get a chance to pitch. But now you've got 2021 and 2022 under your belt. And it seemed like... Matthew Libertor is getting any better. Well, you we've talked about this also. When you are uh, afforded those opportunities and you are not not making the impact plays or making any plays, it, it your career is not gonna gonna go in the direction that you wanted to, and the opportunities begin to begin to dwindle more and more. You, you get those chances to show why you're here, um, and and the more and more you don't show, the less opportunities you will get. So I, I think maybe you may look maybe looking at a guy that those opportunities become less and less, mm-hmm. and, and then none at all um, because other guys are performing much better than he is at this point. Cardinals did get good work out of Jordan Hicks. He made his. 
return from the IL with a scoreless two-inning performance. Jake Woodford came on, pitched the final two innings. He allowed just one hit, struck out a couple, and didn't walk anybody. And the Cardinals will reveal their postseason roster today. They have a workout at the ballpark. But the Cardinals finish up their season in good fashion. They finish with a record of 93-69, and first place in the National League Central Division. Ali Marmol, what would you think about your first year as the manager? Yeah, I'm proud of these guys. Um, the way everybody collaborated all year, staff, players, um, had each other's back the whole way through, competed well for 162, and now the, now the fun begins. But yeah, we are, we're ready to go. Now, yesterday, Albert Pujols didn't play. A great ovation for Yadier Molina in his final regular season appearance in the majors. Did Ali even think about using Pujols? He, he delivered what he needed to over the course of the last 162. So, yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't need to use him. No, no need. I, I, just, you know, to be able to go out in the way that they did uh, for a regular season, you know, him, Yadi. It, it, it's just, it was just a, a great thing to watch for the regular season. Obviously, that part is done, and we want to move on. But how about the, the, the Pittsburgh Pirates fans giving, the, the ones that were there, mm-hmm. giving Yachty the standing ovation well, and, and, and cheering for him? It, it, it speaks volumes to, I, I speak about this all, all the time, the city of Pittsburgh reminds me so much of, of St. Louis and how the people and the fans are. To understand what that, that man has done against you all of these years in the Central Division, to, to celebrate him in that moment, I thought was extremely What's special? It's a crime against humanity that Pittsburgh isn't given a better baseball product. Yeah. Yes, it's really sad because yes. they are terrific fans. They are terrific fans. I mean, the, the way that they show up, I, I like, and I, I always tell people that the Steelers uh, are, are similar to the Cardinals in the city of Pittsburgh because every 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 fan shows up, and, and those fans transform into Pittsburgh Pirates fans mm-hmm. or Pittsburgh Penguins fans when when those seasons come around. So it is a shame that that the Pirates have not given uh, their fans what they deserve because that is a great fan base. It's got to be nice to only have to buy black and gold stuff. It's too. amazing. Yeah, <laughs> you can wear you you see you see Sidney Crosby's jerseys at Stiller games yeah. sometimes. It, it just it is what it is. A magical season for the team that President of Baseball Operations John Mozeliak put together. Yeah, hard to believe. 162, right? Um, so, yeah, it was an incredible year. So many memories were made. Uh, I think there's so many you know, special narratives that when you really take a step back and, and reflect on what happened this season, it's been amazing. It's been fun to be a part of. And, uh, you know, look, we're excited about what, what we're about to begin on Friday. But, you know, that's the new chapter, and that's where we have to focus. Mo with Jimmy the Cat Hayes on Bally Sports Midwest. And what the Cardinals are about to embark on is a matchup with the Phillies. No, look, I think it's exciting. I think anytime you get into October, you know, teams earn their right for that. And so you're typically playing a, a, a very quality organization or ball club. And so, you know, look, I, I think the easiest way to think about your playoffs is just worry about yourself. Um, we have to come out and do the things that we're good at. And if we do that, we'll have success. Philadelphia fired their manager during the season. They finished with 87 wins. They finished with the last wild card spot. They did kind of limp into the playoffs. But, CD, they're going to pitch Zach Wheeler tomorrow and Aaron Nola on Saturday. And that's a threat. That is not going to be easy for the Cardinals. Whoever the Cardinals decide to start, the Cardinals are going to have to put a couple of runs on the board, and they're going to have to pitch great. When you're going against Wheeler, when you're going against Nola, Whoever it is, better pitch great. We talked about this. We've been talking about this. Are you more concerned with the pitching or the hitting? Um, and I think it, it it has shifted. You know, it's kind of gone back and forth over the last month. 
Uh, at one point, we were really concerned about the pitching. And then, oh, pitching is better. Oh, we are not getting scoring any runs. Uh, my Going into Friday night, we don't know who's going to be the starter. We we assume it's it's Michaelis or it's Quintana or maybe I doubt that it's Flaherty, but probably mm-hmm. Michaelis in my opinion. Um, you're 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 comfortable with him. Are you comfortable with this Cardinals lineup that they can roll out there against those starting pitchers for the Phillies? When they're performing to the level that I expect them to perform to, yes. When they're performing to the level that they performed to in September, no. Well, it, it, it I mean, that, that really boils down to Goldie and Arenado. Yes, I mean, it does. if those two and are, and, and if those two to three, and, and Albert, I mean, he, yeah, he had right. a he had a fantastic season, a season that no one expected. Um, but if, if those two, three guys are, are able to get some, some, some bats on balls, I think we'll have some opportunities to, to be successful. If not, it's going to be a long couple of days. And the outfield is a problem, right? Yeah, yes, and that, that's my concern because. You're leaning so heavily on on Goldie and Arenado to make sure that they can drive in Edmund if he's if he gets on base because I think the back end of that lineup is going to be is going to be a little bit of a struggle to get some 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 runners on on board. Here's the way things will break down tomorrow with the playoffs and the the bracket is all set so they've got the schedule all set up for Major League Baseball and the Cardinals are going to play the second game tomorrow. Uh, so tomorrow, 12.07 for, uh, for the Cardinals. Uh, for 12.07 Central. It's Tampa Bay and Cleveland. Then the Cardinals play the second game, and that'll be at 1.07 St. Louis time, Cards and, and Phillies at the ballpark. And then at 3 o'clock, you've got Seattle and Toronto, and then the night game will be San Diego and the Mets, and those guys will play all night games because you have to give New York the primetime game. Yeah, they they they've earned it. Even though they uh, lost a ten game lead, is that? Yeah. Is that yeah. <laughs> I guess it happens. Yeah. It, it happens to the. It did. <laughs> Hopefully, it never happens here. Yeah. But uh, you know, it, it they they have played well all all season, so they deserve that slot. Um, but like I said, Randy, I'm just I'm excited for this weekend uh, for Cardinals baseball for the playoffs. For you know, just to see where this team is, and and we've, we this is what we've been waiting mm-hmm. on. This is the moment um, you know, all season long. You had all of the the things that took place: three twenty five, seven hundred, seven hundred three. You know, uh, Goldschmidt going for the MVP race. Now all of those things are, are are essentially done. You can you have no control over any of that anymore. And now you head into the playoffs, and this is the time where you know you you really make a name for yourself as a team and as an organization. The Cardinals have done that for years, but I know that these men want to go out in the right way, mm-hmm. and here's their opportunity. A couple of other quick notes: Luis Arise of the Twins wins the American League batting title. That causes Aaron Judge to not win the Triple Crown, and Jeff McNeil sat out the Mets second baseman and right fielder, so he won the National League batting title. We have. Colts and Broncos tonight and that one will not be heard here on 101 ESPN because we have the Blues and the Blue Blue Jackets. The Blues yesterday bringing five players back from Springfield. Will Bitten, Hugh McGing, Matthias Laferriere, Brady Lyle, and Steven Santini. Coach Craig Berube, you guys dealing with a few more injuries than usual? I don't know about that. The, the Prunovich and Scandella, that's different. Um, but you know, I don't. I don't really see more guys being dinged up. I think. I think every camp there's some nicks and things that happen, and guys are a little bit hurt and can't go. And you want to make sure that they're healthy. Blues still have more than a week to go before the regular season starts, and because of the Cardinals playing a night game tomorrow. 
The Blues have rescheduled their preseason game against the Blackhawks to 2 p.m. And the Blues icebreaker has been postponed to a later date. The Blues will tell us when that icebreaker is going to occur. But the Blues will not play tomorrow night. They'll play tomorrow afternoon so that they don't conflict with Cardinal baseball. Yeah, and, and I'm glad I found that out because I was, I'm planning on going to the game. Saturday it all works out perfectly. It works out perfectly. I, I can I can sit at home. I can flip back between my Illini playing Iowa mm-hmm. and the Cardinals. Illini start at six thirty, so I get about an hour before the Cardinals game gets rolling, and I can uh, I can watch I can watch both games. And we should know best of luck to a friend of the show, Mike Matheny, who was let go after yesterday's game by the Kansas City Royals. And Mike, of course, a resident of St. Louis, does a lot in our community for people, and uh, we wish him the best going forward after his career as manager of the Kansas City Royals. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Sick of it is coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Terry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up on 718, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And it's time for Sick of Egg. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. CD, I am sick of all of these blues injuries. And I know we have a week and a half to go before the season starts, but the season hasn't even started yet. We got a million injuries. Yeah, they uh, they called up five more players yeah. to, to make sure, I guess, that the the, the veterans don't have to play in these final two games so that they can get healed up and get prepared. I know Tarasenko was was out with an illness. Logan Brown was uh, was hurt. Um, uh, Ferk has been hurt. It's, it, there are a lot of people that have been injured or, or um, you know, just trying to get healthy. That's, that's part of the preseason. That's part of training camp. You, sometimes you do get banged up a little bit. Um, but ideally, you want to be prepared and, and healthy and ready to go for, for game one. And they still have... Eight days, I guess, before after today, before they start the regular season. It's enough time to get healed up. All right, if if you're good, I'm good. There and listen, there's one thing about professional sports: you're never 100 percent healthy. Mm-hmm. The moment you become a collegiate athlete, a professional athlete, playing in the minor leagues, you're. I told you earlier, my right leg is hurting right now, as sleeping in the bed hurts me. So you know, as you become a professional athlete, there are things that you just deal with and and injuries that. That you are going to play with regardless of, of you know how much pain you're in they'll be okay they'll be ready to roll all right Randy you know what I'm sick of we talked about this earlier and and I think I understand why this started to take place it, it happened during the pandemic you know restaurants were were not getting the amount of customers that they were accustomed to um, so they started having these these tips just added on you 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 pay a tip just for the server bringing your food from the back to the front or, or you know, the person bringing your food. And that was no problem during the pandemic. I understood that their restaurants were struggling and, and no one was actually sitting in those restaurants. Randy, it's 2022 and they are still forcing us to pay a tip for them bringing the food out from the back to the front. There are so many companies where I see a, a, a tip available and I'm like, are you what? I think I was at a fast food restaurant and and, and it said tip available. That that's the it's a fast food restaurant. I am sick of that. 
I am sick of money hungry companies gouging their customers and forcing them or trying to force them mm-hmm. to pay for food. And, and 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 you said that you were you were using a, a you were at a company and what what happened there? Yeah. That, that? So and, and I wish I could think of where it was, but I put the card in and then it gave you the choices of paying like either twelve percent, fifteen percent, or eighteen percent, and you had to press one of them and give a tip before you could press the continue button to use your card. That is outrageous. Now I have no problem <laughs> at all. I, I'm a good tipper, I think, and I I have no problem providing tips, and if somebody's going to bag up my stuff and bring it out to me, if I'm going to pick up, I have no problem providing a tip, but when it is demanded of me, I have the wherewithal to provide a tip on a regular basis. Some people don't. Some people, food's expensive these days. Some people don't have that wherewithal, and that's probably, if it is a tip, then it probably should be something that's not demanded by the company. There you go. I, I have no problem during the during even now when they bring the food out to the car curbside service. I give a tip yeah. because you walk the food out. But I do not feel the necessity to pay an extra eight ten dollars for someone to bring the food from the bag. It was never an a, a option before. Mm-hmm. So that's just that's just me. By the way, let me give you give somebody props here. Uh, First Watch, so during the pandemic and since the pandemic, we've done a lot of carryout from First Watch and maybe 20 times. There's never been an inaccurate order from our First Watch up at Creve Corps. Here. First Watch is, a, is an outstanding establishment. They nail it. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. They're, we give them they're love. Terrific. All right. Your text 65780. Matthew, what do you got? Sick of it. Sick of it. All this talk about Pujol's retirement. Bring the machine back next year. Problem is, this has been great. But it doesn't go forever. No. And what happens if he comes back next year and it's 190 with four home runs? Then everyone is saying he should have retired yep, last exactly. year. Exactly. <laughs> Why did he come back? <laughs> He's crazy for that. Yeah. Let, listen. Let, let something good just kind of end. Like this. This was a good way to. It's end magical. It. Come on now. I mean, how how do you want any other ending than this? It couldn't get any better. Yeah. Sure. 715 would be nice, but just, let's just be a little bit more realistic. Uh, 636 says, I'm sick of our XFL team still without a name. Well, we know for a fact you can blame the hurricane for that, can't we, Randy? Yes, we can. Yeah, yeah. we were actually going to uh, reveal the name, what, two weeks ago? and or No, last, last week last when week, Hurricane yeah. Mania happened. Last yeah. week. And the XFL has decided to delay the reveal of their team names and logos. But that'll happen soon enough, and we'll have it for you here on 101 ESPN. We're still we're still a, a sure bet that it's the Battlehawks that we are. Are we comfortable enough to think that that's possibly? We have no clue. Let, let's no, make sure. Let, let's make yeah. sure we say that. But just the brand of the Battlehawks, it would almost be foolish to go in a different direction, no? Well, I, I assume that The Rock is a pretty good businessman. He spent $15 million for the XFL, which included the rights to the names to the XFL teams. If you're going to spend $15 bucks, why not use the names that you have? Why not, if you're going to, otherwise, just start a new league yeah. with new names. Yeah. If you're going to get all new names, just get new names. Get in to start a new league. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're there might be a color change or a logo change just so they can kind of re-release a bunch of swag, but there's no way they actually change the name. Sick of baseball not being played year round. I think it's a lot. Of, I think it's a lot of St. Louis <laughs> complaint here. You need a lot of dome stadiums. That's true. Yeah, it's. Uh, here's the thing. You can. Uh, you, well, you, I was going to say you can watch the KBO. You really can't. So no, it's uh, yeah, you, you can't watch baseball year round. It's My not. mom gets depressed every year when the Cardinals play their last game. 
Because she doesn't have baseball to watch until spring well, training. Well, I mean. That's <laughs> St. Louis, baby. As you said, Randy, you would need a lot of domes because mm-hmm. some of these places, and we talked to, to Wayno about this maybe a month or so ago, about the difference between heat and, and, and cold temperatures, yeah. how hard it is to throw a baseball, how much harder it is to throw a baseball when it's that cold outside. Just the, the, the touch and the feeling it might be a lot more hit batters. And you don't, that's not good for the brand, no? That's not, no. That's not good for, for baseball. You don't want to, you don't want people getting hit by balls all the time. Yeah. Now, I guess if somebody, and this is probably not the era in which to do this, but you could put together a winter league where you play in L.A., San Diego, Tampa, Miami, Dome Stadiums, have like what the XFL is doing, yeah. play during the offseason. But A, I don't think there's enough players, and B, I don't think there's enough interest nationally for yeah. people to want to tune in to baseball during the offseason. What if the Miners did that? What if what if AAA decided well, to do that? I actually was going to say, if you need a little extra baseball Arizona and the Cardinals isn't enough for you, the Arizona Fall Weeks League started two days ago, yeah. and the Cardinals are all over their team. If the Arizona Fall League teams are a conglomeration of five franchises into one, Mason Wynn, Jordan Walker, Tank Hentz, there you go. there's Cardinals all over. So if you mm-hmm. want to watch some extra Cardinals, you know, there's some young players who can get you excited for, you know, the next next five years, uh, you know, for young Cardinals players. And you can watch them right now in the Arizona Fall League. There's some extra baseball for you. I'm sick of hearing all this talk about Wainwright not being on the roster for this weekend. Jack Flaherty might be getting a spot fine, but I'm sick of Wayno getting passed on. He deserves to pitch that third game. If we get there, he's the only one I would trust in the window for that game. I'm just sick of everybody discrediting him just because of a few bad starts. Well... Even he admitted it was the worst time to have a few bad starts. I do think, CD, that just from, and I know it's the playoffs and you say, I don't care about feelings. I think from a morale and a political standpoint with this particular group of players, Mm that Adam Wainwright needs to be on the roster. Well, I, I believe he's on the roster. Yeah. I, I don't think there's a way that you keep him off of the roster. I just don't know that he starts a game mm-hmm. in this in this uh, wild card round. And if he doesn't start a game in the wild card round, it's going to be hard for you to find him a start at any point through, throughout the playoffs. Players pay attention to stuff like that, though, yeah. right? Oh, if, yeah. if a guy yeah. sticks around and he's 42 years old and he's pitched really well and for the season – has been one of your top two yeah. starters. If you don't put him on the playoff roster, that's something that other players take note of. Yeah, players take notes of how you treat, uh, if you're a free agent, how you treat players on your current roster. They take, We take notice of, of how your locker rooms are set up and, and how you 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 treat your players in, in every asset, every facet of the game. So um, players talk. And mm-hmm. if you are not treating a, a a legend, a guy that has been, you know, a, a Cardinal Hall of Famer, if you're not treating him properly, then other players will take notice, and it will it can impact your uh, free agency going forward. Absolutely, I'm sick of Mr. Davis's Hazelwood Central Hawks absolutely dismantling my Hazelwood West Wildcats every year. Call off the dogs, man. Sorry about it. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> it is what it is, man. Hey, <laughs> you're not going here. I, I would not. Hey, I have nothing for you. I cannot help. What took place or what takes place? We actually lost to West my first year. They had a very good quarterback, um, first and second year. They they had a very good quarterback, mm-hmm. but since then it's been we've been we've been having some some. Carrie's dogs don't know the heel command. You never we, we, listen. You never apologize for winning. No, my my coach coach Tomlin used to say, "I'd rather say woe than sick 'em." 
So I, mm-hmm. he got. <laughs> I, I'd rather say whoa than sickle. So that's 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 where we are right now. I gotta say whoa sometimes. I don't have to say sickle. <laughs> that's beautiful. That is <laughs> such a good quote. That's great. Thanks, Matthew. Yeah, thank you, Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, it's going to be a busy day tomorrow with Game One of the playoffs. So we've decided to move Jay Delsing to today, and he has acquiesced. So coming up next, our normal Friday golf visit with our friend Jay Delsing here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. You can catch the Cardinals and the Phillies here on 101 ESPN. First pitch is set for 1.07 p.m. tomorrow. You can also catch the late game here on 101 ESPN. That'll be the Padres and the Mets. That pregame is set to start at 6 p.m. Tonight on 101 ESPN, the Blues back in action in the preseason, facing off against the Columbus Blue Jackets for the second time here in the preseason. You can catch the pregame right here on 101 ESPN at 5 p.m. That is your Sports Center update driven by Johnny Londoff. Find new roads. Drop 24-7 at Londoff.com and LondoffAutoplex.com. Are you kidding me? The opening drive, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. ESPN. We go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and Jay Delsing normally joins us on Friday, but kind enough to switch to Thursday with all of the baseball stuff that we have going on tomorrow. Good morning, Jay. How you doing? Hey, guys. I'm doing great. How about you? Everything's good. Okay, I want to start with a baseball question for you, because you grew up around baseball. Your dad was a major league player, and you're a pretty old-school guy. You have gone a year now with pitchers not hitting with the designated hitter in the National League. How are you feeling about it? I don't love it. I, I don't love it. I, I, I know that it's a little bit, you know, it's a little more, oh gosh, a little more offensive-minded to try to get a position player in their hitting, but I just feel like there's so much more strategy around the pitcher trying to bunt or a pitcher like Adam Wainwright who can handle the bat, move a runner over, things like that. I, I, I'm just... I'm getting so old. I'm <laughs> I guess, man. Damn. Yeah, I, I like it though. I I, I prefer no DH. Yeah, we were we were talking to Adam Wainwright a couple of about a month or so ago, and he said the same thing. He misses hitting. Some of those pitchers are 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 very good hitters, and and he he said he was surprised that there are teams in high school now that are are pitch only. They don't bat at all. So it's, it, it seems like Jay, you're, you're going to have to get more accustomed to it because I don't think it's going away. It's going to be this way for for the rest of time, more than likely. Yeah, no, they you know creating an extra roster spot. Uh, that's a big deal for the players, and, and I totally get that. Another job for somebody else across the league. And, you know, guys, when we were growing up, which when I was growing up, which was a lot, lot longer ago than you, but the the pitchers were the best athletes on the team. They were the best hitters. They, You know, they, it, it's, uh, it's, it's changed a lot, this, this specification in the early age. It doesn't do anybody any favors. I mean, it, it really doesn't. I know that there's high school kids getting – Tommy John surgery electively mm. nowadays because it'll add a couple miles an hour to the fastball. It's, I don't know, different. 
<laughs> hey, Jay, I got a question. I don't know if you, you saw this story, but there was a high school team, a high school golf team in Austin, Texas, that was forced to cancel their practice when they showed up to the course and encountered an adult entertainment clubs tournament. Uh, there were, I guess, half-dressed people on the golf course at the time, and the high school team had to cancel. Uh, so my question to you is, what is, is that the craziest thing you heard, or what is the craziest thing you've seen on a golf course? Oh, gosh, Gary, you know, I learned early, early, early in my tour career to when I got invited to events, I really had to kind of suss them out to see what was going on because um, let's just say that the way that the, the, the event starts and the way that it ends is rarely the same. It's rarely the same. There's a couple beverages between the first and the 18th hole, and, um, yeah, clothes fall off. There's a lot of things that I did. You know, I was – trying to be a, a P, PGA Tour player. There's a lot of things I did not want to be around. Um, so that's not that unusual. Um, wow. uh, it, 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 it happens um, more than you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Jay, Zach Johnson, who's going to captain next year's Ryder Cup team, says the Tiger Woods will have a role with the team. And uh, you're around these guys. How much of a difference does it make just to have – Tiger Woods present. You know, it's it's amazing, Randy. When when I before Tiger won at the Players Championship, I think it was in '04. I was playing, and his locker was next to mine. Once you win, you move into this champions locker room, which is on a different level. And I clearly don't know where the hell that is because I never <laughs> won that. But but I, I just I, I just wanted to watch him. I wanted to see what am I missing that is so far different than what I'm doing. And, and um, he just, he walks in the room and you can almost feel him. You know what I mean? You almost go, wait, a, oh, it, it, you know, Tiger's here. And I was talking to uh, Bernie Federico, who's such a, a great human being, not only a hockey player, but I said, was there any, was Gretzky like that? And he said, guys used to watch Wayne, the way he tied his skates, the way he would do his warmups to see if there was any sort of, trick or any sort of you know and it wasn't any trick it was about talent and it was about preparation and about working his ass off but one day i was um tiger was paired right in front of me on a thursday and friday at the buick tournament up in michigan and his face was plastered all over the entire town he was representing buick at the time he had a buick golf bag and wherever we went you know because we were getting ready to prepping and everything there were Ten or 15,000 people. And this is back in the late 90s, so this was a lot of spectators. But I watched you guys the way that he prepped um, before round, and it absolutely changed the way that I did mine. So he would go on the range, and he'd start off with his, uh, with his club in his bag, his 60-degree wedge, and he'd just hit some little feel, little pitches and little, little flip shots and things like that. And then he'd work his way through his bag. But, guys, after every club he hit – He'd go back and hit one of his wedges, and so I said to him, "What? What's up with the way? What's up with this routine? Why? What? What are you thinking there? Why are you doing that?" And he said, "It's way more like we play. We never sit there and hit. You know, after I hit three or four or five seven irons in a row, I need to hit a wedge, or usually we'll go hit a putt or something like that." And he goes, "It just prepares me for." The, what he called the rhythm of the round or the way the game is played because, you know, you don't just sit there and go hit five, three irons and then go hit seven, you know, uh, eight irons 
And, you know, the way we play, it's do something as hard as you can and try to hit it as, as long as you can off the tee. And then some sort of iron shot that's, that's more focused at a smaller target and then something super, super soft like a putt. And so it really made a lot of sense to me, and I, 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 I still do that today. And it, I, I, it didn't really help me that much. It made me feel better. <laughs> well, Jay, along those lines, and I think I've told you this before, when I go to a range, what I do after I get warmed up is I, I try to visualize playing around. Like, okay, I'm going to play a 420-yard par 4 here, and I hit my drive, and then uh, I'll be honest with myself. Okay, I hit 210 off the tee, so I've got uh, – uh, 210 yards to go and so I hit my second shot which with the same club that I would use if I were on the course and I just try to play as many holes as I have with my bucket of balls and, and actually play around that I visualize. Randy, that's a great idea and one thing in particular that I have always done and that um, I know some of the other guys on tour do if there's a, a specific hole on the golf course that you're playing today Run that through your into your practice and run that through your mind. I mean, first of all, Gary, and you can assess, you can, uh, I'm sure you'll agree with this. The best club in your bag is your brain. It is your mind. If you have your, when you were winning Super Bowls and things like that, man, you could be in the best physical shape you could be in, but if you weren't keenly focused on what you, what your job was and what you were going to do when this happened and how you were going to handle this, then it didn't go well no matter how good a, a physical condition you're in. And any time you can prep your mind, you guys, for what's going to happen the day before, it is um, it, it is a huge help. And I love that idea, Randy, getting on the range and playing, playing the holes, and um, it inevitably helps. And, guys, I can tell you this for sure, and I noticed this when he first got on tour. Tiger Woods had already done – in his mind, everything that he was physically walking through. It may not have gone exactly the way he saw it, but a lot of it went the way he saw it. When I had Mark McGuire on the show a couple of months ago, he talked to Tiger, and, and McGuire, Mark said, what's the weirdest, craziest thing you ever did You know, in terms of, of winning something? And he said, uh, at, at about 2 o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning before the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, that he won by 15 shots. <laughs> he woke himself up out of bed. He stood in front of the mirror with all the lights on in his room, and he went through every single hole at Pebble Beach, feeling what shot, what club he was going to hit, what the putt was going to look like, every single shot. The discipline that that takes you guys, the focus, that's so off the rail. I tell people all the time that, the, the mental ability of, of athletes. That's why I laugh when people say dumb jocks because the, the intelligence and the mindset that you have to have to be a professional athlete is unlike anything that, that most people can understand or recognize. And I, Jay, I used to have to tell myself, and I used to believe it, you almost have to become somewhat delusional to be a professional athlete. I would tell myself I was the best player on the field. And I was on the field with future Hall of Famers, all pros, but I literally thought that I was the best player on the field, and that's what helped me propel me to be successful in, in the NFL. And I, I truly believe that that's what Tiger is. He's just mentally, probably mentally better than most of the players, physically gifted, but also mentally better than most of the players that he competes against. Oh, Kerry, 100%. 100%. One of the things that drives me crazy about sports talk uh, about people that don't really understand what's going on is that they're like, well, these guys have just mailed it in. They don't care about winning. 
anybody that's made it to the NFL, the NBA, any level of professional sports, they have been the best player in the area, wherever they grew up. And they're so accustomed to being the stud. They're so accustomed to winning. Not one of those guys doesn't want to win and, and, and have a fire to, to win, at least when they start their careers off. I mean, because they're, they're so accustomed, to, like you said, to being so far uh, um, in front of anybody else around them. Jay, enjoy the playoffs this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's also going to be a really good weekend to get out on the course when the Cardinals aren't playing. Yeah, no, absolutely, Randy. I played yesterday. You guys, it is absolutely the most ideal time to play it is randy we should text maybe next week we can get together the three of us and we can go go tee it up it is absolutely beautiful i think the weather is going to hold um our patio at wild crush i got to get the plug in it is rocking you guys (laughs) we have live music tomorrow night um so we can you can go to the golf course and then come over there and have one with us uh with us afterwards love that idea and look forward to hearing you on sunday morning here on 101 espn Thanks so much. You got Taylor Twillman, the great Taylor Twillman. We talk live golf. We talk a little bit of oh Saudi money. He, uh, it's easy to get my nephew all wound up, Randy. He, uh, <laughs> we, we had a, we had a great time. He's one of the most entertaining guys in our business. Thanks, Jay. Have a great day, guys. You too. See you later. Jay Delsing with us on 101 ESPN. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780 Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Carrie, Matthew, and Randy and CD. We saw this, that Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors is facing discipline due to an altercation with Jordan Poole during practice yesterday. Green reportedly punched Jordan Poole. Take it or leave it, Jordan Poole is now officially a member of the team. Oh, definitely. Uh, Randy, you you hit the nail on here. I was going to actually use that as my take it or leave it, but mine was going to be take it or leave it in the 80s. That's just a Wednesday practice. <laughs> totally take it, yeah. <laughs> Nobody yeah. cares if you uh, get punched in the face at practice. That's part of the deal. That's part of it. Yeah. You, you get up and move on. Yeah. Now Jordan Poole, you know what he can say is, hey, Draymond Green cares about me. I can tell you this. Watching the Warriors – seeing how Draymond Green is and seeing how Jordan Poole is I can actually see how Draymond had enough and mm-hmm. had to had you know had to punch him one time maybe once maybe twice but yeah. just let hey young man please shut up please stop talking <laughs> Jordan Poole is that agitator yeah. he is Draymond Green in a in a better athlete that they are one in the same so they probably get to a, to a to a breaking point in practice yeah young young, young buck seems to be getting some money and gets seems to be getting some attitude behind it because oh, yeah. there was also a video uh a Clay Thompson the other day where they were talking about a three-point competition in practice and he beat Steph and he's talking about oh it feels good to beat Steph he's one of the greatest of all time 
time. And at the very end of the video, he goes, he goes, oh, also really good to shut up. Uh, he goes, really good to shut up Jordan Poole too. Beat him too. And I'm like, sounds like sounds like he might be pissing some people off in, in Warriors camp with a little cockiness. Nah, it's just it's just part of the game, and, sure, and they are. I'm sure they are okay. And, and I'm sure Steve Kerr has never seen anybody punch exactly. somebody else in practice yeah. before. He's probably seen a puncher to himself. I would coming think, in his direction. I would think so. In fairness, pleasurely. And listen, we know if we know Warriors history too. As long as the player isn't hitting the coach, no, then, then we're fine. Let, no, I'll tell you, he's better off hitting the coach than he is to hitting Steve, uh, Steph Curry. Now well, you would have well, a yeah, you yeah. would you, now if anybody punches Steph Curry, then, <laughs> that's it. That's all. See you later. Yeah. Now anybody, he, anybody, doesn't yeah. matter who. All right, what do we got on the text line, Matthew? Take it or leave it. If Albert never left St. Louis, he would have passed Stan as the greatest Cardinal ever. I'll take that. I'm going to... I think I'm going to leave it. And the reason being because of what we talked about, there was no DH. He would have been playing every day. His body may have broken down sooner and not had the opportunity to play, obviously not 22 years. If he plays... He was 11 years here before he left. Mm -hmm. You say... Six more good years healthy? Is is he at that point at, at is he passing Stan the man at that point? Thing is, even with the injuries, he would have blown away Stan's numbers for home runs, for RBIs, for total bases. So from the numbers Number perspective, okay. he would be number one. He he was never gonna hit three thirty one for a career right. like Stan did, but and by the way, when he left here, he was hitting 328. Now he's a 296 career hitter. But I do think that he would be regarded just in terms of the, the breadth of the career as the greatest ever. Well, I'm, I'm glad that he did leave and he was did. able to come back and everything worked 700. out perfectly. I think it was it? awesome, yes. I think this might be Randy Carrier's burner. Take it or leave it. If we lose to the Phillies, Sosa will get a game-winning hit or defensive play. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, it's just, it seems <laughs> that like that. Yeah. Randy definitely said something about that yesterday. I, I said <laughs> over here and I was like, I totally agree. Yeah. I, I thought that, uh, I don't know why they were so anxious to trade him. Because who would you rather have now if you're putting together a roster between DeYoung and Sosa? Yeah. Right? I'd rather have Sosa as my as a guy on my roster rather than DeYoung. All due respect to Paul DeYoung, he hit 150. And that's why it made sense from the get-go because one guy's offense was completely below what you expected from it. It didn't look like it was ever going to return. Another guy's offense was a completely was, was twice as good as you ever thought it was going to be, even with him kind of coming down from, what he was, from where Sosa was last year. But the defense was even. And there was a good chance, though, just based on, again, the kind of player you were looking at, one of those players' defense was going to get better or stay the same over the next four or five years. And one of them was just going to probably get worse just based on age. Yeah. And we've already seen that, too, with DeYoung making some defensive missteps in addition to the offensive mishaps in, in the last month or half of the season. I'd much rather have Sosa going in right now just as of a defensive shortstop, let alone any positivity on the offensive side. And if JoJo Romero had turned into a lefty reliever that you were going to have on your postseason roster, then it might be different, but it yeah. doesn't look like he's even going to be on the postseason roster. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals pitching shuts down the Phillies offensively, and it shuts up all the naysayers. I'll take it. I, we, I think this pitching has uh, figured some things out, and I, I believe that that's not going to be our issue this series. I think the pitching is going to perform well. Uh, Got to make sure that that back of the lineup is is getting some things done also. I think I think the middle, the meaty part of the lineup is going to gonna do their thing and hopefully that sustains us and that's enough. But that uh, what, six, seven, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine is going to be 
a little bit tough sledding. So I, I want to see the pitching do well so that our hitting does not have to go over the top. Yeah, it, it just seems like, and whenever you say this, it changes completely. But it, this just feels like a series where the games are going to be 3-2-2-1, mm-hmm. where you should be able to manufacture a run. You better be able to manufacture a run in the late innings. Take it or leave it, the new time clock rules for pitchers will backfire and will result in more walks. Leave it. I'll leave it. Uh, I think they'll adapt, they'll adjust, and they'll be able to, you know, it, it may it may uh, result in more hits, more long, uh, harder hit balls, because as you talked about, Randy, it doesn't give those pitchers the time to, to recharge and get ready to throw another 100-mile-per-hour fastball. So you throw one, and now your next one may be at 97, and, and, and the hitter is able to time that up a little bit better. You're going to have to learn how to pitch. And I have a long-held belief, and I ask people about it, baseball people about it all the time and pretty much everybody is in agreement because I got it from John Smoltz and he says that what pitchers need to do to enhance their command is dial the velocity back a little bit all these guys are throwing max effort without a real idea of where it's going to go Mm -hmm. are you more effective throwing 102 102 mile an hour ball or a 97 mile an hour sinker on the corner I would I would go with the sinker I would go with the pitch with movement and command and so if you aren't throwing as hard, you're going to have to learn how to actually pitch and deal with finesse. So I think there's going to be fewer walks. Take it or leave it. Newt Bar will have a huge difference maker on winning the series against these Phillies. I hope so. I'll take it. I hope so. Left, left, left-handed hitter against, uh, the, against Zach Wheeler or Nola. I hope so. All right, let's take it. Because yeah. we believe okay, in I'll, I'll take it. So much confidence, Randy. Dude. <laughs> hey, it's the playoffs. It's yeah. It, I, I'm always concerned. Randy, you said manufacture. Uh, we had a text. Lisa said manufacture. What is what is this you speak of? See, there was a game, <laughs> a, and, and I get it. There was there was a game. I think it was on Sunday, where there was a runner at third base, and the Pittsburgh. And I don't know how he did it, he, but the Pittsburgh hitter. It was he, he was just holding his bat and let the ball hit the bat. It was a weird way to hit, to hit a ball, it Randy. Was, I, I yeah. haven't seen that in, I don't know, the last time I've seen anything like that. But then the runner scored from he third. He did, didn't he? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. More teams should probably do that, huh? You're in a, a game where it's 1-1. Yeah. You yeah. get a runner at third rather than strike out? <laughs> Tossing it out there is a possibility. Coming up, Robert Thomas joins us for his weekly visit on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Now for Blues Forward, Robert Thomas on the Opening Drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. The Blues with a preseason game tonight against the Blue Jackets. And then on Saturday, they'll wrap up with their preseason finale against the Blackhawks. And that one has been moved to the afternoon at Enterprise Center. It's a 2 o'clock game. As you heard the man with the deep voice say, Robert Thomas joins us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Morning, guys. Doing well. Hey, uh, as you know, Robert, the, the, the opening drive is a, a very controversial show, and we have a lot of really hot debates here. <laughs> Yesterday, the big one was macaroni and cheese. Do you eat it with a spoon or a fork? Um, I'm a fork guy for that. There Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. We, 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 can, <laughs> we can put that to rest now. <laughs> yeah, Matthew Rocchio, who called you, he, he eats, he's like a, a seven-year-old. He's, eat, he, he's eating mac and cheese with a spoon. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, Spoon is not the play, that's for sure. Not at all. Another another issue that we had, um, that we discussed, uh, your teammate Nathan Walker, we gave him the nickname Nadub, um, and I, A, wanted to know how you feel about it, and, and B, would you ask him how he feels about it to see if he, he approves it? What's that again? Say it one more time. Nadub. Nathan Walker, we, we're calling him Nadub. Nate Dub, Nay, N A Y, N A and then W N A D U B, Nate Dub, Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give him a, I'll give him a shout on it. I don't mind it; it flows pretty nicely. There you go. Yeah. So you give that a, a positive grade, like sometime if you're talking about him, like a, a nice play by Nate Dub there. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind that. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Now, now we're, we're solidified and we're approved. Uh, uh, Robert, speaking of Nathan, um, Nadub, sorry. <laughs> um, can you just talk about what he's, he's, he's done for this team? I mean, he, he's a guy that has uh, been, been just plugging his way along, trying to, to find some time on a team and find some time on, on the ice. Uh, got his opportunity last year, and it seems as though he's going to get more opportunities this year. Can you just speak to what, what that means, uh, what you've seen him go through, and, and what it means for him to, to be a part of this team? Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, first off, an unbelievable player and an unbelievable person. Uh, I mean, anytime he's around the locker room, you know, the boys are super happy. He's always, you know, making jokes. He's always got a smile on his face. He's always, you know, the happiest guy in the room. And, um, you know, it's it's contagious. And, uh, you know, he's, a, he's the same thing on the ice. You know, he works. He's the hardest worker out there. He's got a ton of skill. Uh, he's not afraid of anyone. And, um, you know, I know. You know, me personally and, and a lot of the guys love having him in the lineup and he's such a great player to play with and you know, a lot of guys want him on their want him on their lines. Robert, five years ago you were the youthful energy guy and he's one of those guys. He's not really youthful well, he relatively speaking he's youthful, but he, he's kind of a veteran. But what about the, the kids that are around now? Who's providing that youthful energy for your group? Yeah, I mean we we got some young guys now that uh, you know, kind of sprinkle it around. Uh, you know, Jake's been doing that. Um, you know, Jordan's full of energy all the time too. So, uh, you know, we got a, we got a lot of energy in the room, and uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's a good time right now. Robert, is it is it weird to be in the place you are? You're, you're only 23, but you're going into your fifth season. Are you kind of like in that that weird space of a veteran, but still a young guy, and 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 still looked at as sort of the young guy in the room sometimes? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm hoping. I'm hoping someone's going to be younger than me this year. Uh, I've been the youngest for a while, and I'm ready for someone else to take over that that role. So, um, yeah, no. It's it's honestly it's crazy to think I'm going into the fifth year, and um, you know, it still feels like my second or third. So, uh, it's pretty crazy how time's flown by, and um, yeah, definitely in that definitely in that weird age. And I'm, ho- I'm just hoping someone younger than me is on the team. <laughs> What are the things that in the locker room at the rink that the veterans make a rookie do? Uh, there's not, there's not really much anymore. Um, you know, I just say, you know, don't get on the, the treatment table before any of them and make sure you're picking the pucks up after practice. Those would be the two things yep. that, uh, that are, are kind of must do's. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, a couple of preseason games left, and then you guys have a week off. You're going to take a bonding trip. Tell us about a hockey team, and everybody does it, but a, a hockey team bonding trip. What do you do, and how much do they really help? Yeah, uh, I think they're they're super important. Uh, I mean, 
you know, hockey is a sport where, you know, if the team's gelled together, if the team's clicking and, uh, you know, everyone's playing for each other, then the team's going to have so much success, I think. Um, you know, that's been, been something that's really helped our team the last couple of years and ultimately got us that Stanley Cup was just that team bonding and that team chemistry. And um, so these, these couple tri- a couple days before, before the season starts are, are really important for a team. And, um, you know, I think this one we got some, we got some golf, some fishing, um, you know, the team will get together for some dinners and, and uh, we got Sunday football too. So uh, there's a bunch of stuff like that that'll, uh, you know, be really good. Is there one particular teammate that you, you are closest to or hang out with the most? Uh, I wouldn't say I have one, one particular one right now. Uh, probably Jordan, if anyone. Um, Kairu. Um, yeah, I spend a lot of time around him, so uh, he might be the one. And and you said you're going to be watching some football. Which which team are you rooting for? Because if, if you don't have a team, I can interest you in the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> I think I think I'll get on them. Uh, I'm, root, I'm rooting for my fantasy team. That's that's who I'm rooting that's for. That's the best team to have. Then how, four yeah. four games in, Robert. How are you doing with fantasy this year? You know what? Um, this year I'm doing pretty good. Uh, three and one start, so pretty happy with that. And um, you know I've had some struggles in the last couple of years, but uh, it might be a rebound year for me. Okay, is this a, a team league? Is there a St. Louis Blues fantasy uh, league that the, the players play? Is that what you're talking about here? Yeah, yeah, we got a we got a fantasy league, so it's uh, it's always fun in the locker room. We get, you know you get some trade talks, and everyone's chirping about the previous week, so it's fun. <laughs> That's as good as it gets, and we've got the same thing here at 101 ESPN. But I, I so I, I tell you when I whenever I set my lineup, my guy I got two actually. I drafted Jalen Hurts and Aaron Jones of the Packers. So who who are your guys? Your two guys that you plug in every week, and you say okay, they're must starts every week. Yeah, I got a couple. I got Mahomes at quarterback. Nice. Um, I got Mark Andrews tight end and Christian McCaffrey. Those would be my three. Is there a, a a bonus or is there something that the loser gets if they get last in the league? Because in one league that I'm in, I got this small the smallest trophy that they could find, and they sent it to me for being last place. Uh, <laughs> is there is there something that you will do for the last place uh, loser of the league? No, no, we don't have anything for the last place. But I, I've seen some creative ones online. Some people get pretty pretty creative, and there's some funny ones. So uh, I'm sure we should probably try and think about implementing one of them. <laughs> Not a bad idea. <laughs> hey, Robert, uh, as we mentioned, a game tonight against Columbus and then uh, the, the Blackhawks in town on Saturday. Anything the Blues want or need to accomplish here in the last couple of preseason games? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think we've gotten better as the preseason's gone on. Uh, I think it just just about bringing that intensity back up. Um, yeah, I think special teams has been really good. Um, you know, we've, we've won almost all the games except for one. Um, so we're, we're playing well. Uh, I think it's just about continuing to ramp that intensity up in the little details, um, you know, in the D zone, uh, hard on pucks, when, when in puck battles, um, those kind of things just take a little bit of time to get going. And uh, I think we've gotten better at them throughout the, the preseason. And, you know, we just got to take that next step the next two games. Looking forward to getting things going on the 15th against Columbus at Enterprise Center. And we know we're going to get along because you chose the fork for the mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks, Robert. Have a great day. See you later. Yeah, thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. You bet. That is Robert Thomas joining us. On the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Can we do a poll on... on, on Twitter on, poll? Yeah. We'll do one. Fork 
or spoon. Yeah. Can we do oh, that? Because oh. the the I I really need to know St. Louis. I know we've had people text in the, yesterday that said spoon. They thank, agree thank, with thank Rocky. Finally, finally, Carrie. There, no, there the, were people. The honesty I, comes out. There, that you the text were not alone. On my side. I was shocked. The text line but, was on my side. There, there were, were a lot of people who were pointing out. I'm 50 years old. I'm 45. I use a spoon. I'm I, not I mean, a child. I don't know what that says. I'm but. not a child. <laughs> it's not a tiny little spoon. It's, it doesn't have it's like the tiny spoon with the rubber tip. It doesn't have the rubber covering on it. It's a normal size spoon. <laughs> Uh, that's how I that's jerks. how I envision people eating eating uh, mac and cheese with a spoon. I'm sorry. Okay. So, <laughs> am, I, am I allowed to eat yogurt with a spoon? Like, come yes, on. Like, okay, fine. Is, a spoon is for yogurt and for cereal and soup, uh, not mac and cheese. If okay. I'm eating ice cream cake, can I? I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. It's cake. It's, it's cake. It's, it's ice cream. It's a fork. It's a fork. It's frozen. It's, it's cake. Do you do you eat ice cream with a fork? No. Okay, there you go. They, so we've got the poll up. Just go to Randy Carricker, uh, at Randy Carricker on the Twitter machine. We've got the poll up. Next up, the voice of the blues on Valley Sports, John Kelly, coming your way on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid-County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. One, two, three, four. Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive, 101 ESPN. This is a stacked hour of blues hockey. We just talked to Robert Thomas. We've got John Kelly now at the bottom of the hour. Brett Hall is going to join us and then we're also going to talk to Jeremy Rutherford. So the fight has been moved back today to 9.30 rather than 8.30. So stick around the fight coming your way at 9.30. By the way, if you'd like to participate, just send a text in with the word fight and Matthew will randomly pick a fight participant for today. Let's go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and the voice of the blues. I'm Valley Sports Midwest is John Kelly for the first time in this 22-23 season. J.K., good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. It's hockey season. How could I not be great, my friend? It is as good as it gets. It's it's our favorite time of year. I know it's yours and, and mine, and Kerry Davis is too, and I want you to meet Kerry Davis. Hey, John, how are you doing? Hi, Kerry. Hey, welcome to, to uh, 101, and uh, I'm, I know you're going to do a great job with Randy. Looking forward to talking with you. I appreciate it. Same here. J.K., let's start with the way things have gone so far in training camp and preseason games. What have your impressions been? Well, I think overall, Randy, it's been a very good camp. Uh, you know, obviously they have a, a good record, which is, is really secondary, but the, the competition for the spots, uh, I think there's a uh, top nine forward spot available with the departure of David Perron. Um, there's a very good battle for the fourth line. Um, a player like Josh Levo has come in and, and played very well. Um, Noel Achari obviously signed as a free agent, the former Boston Bruin and Florida Panther. Um, you know, he's a lock to play on the fourth line. So um, those battles have been good. Obviously, the negative, Randy, is the fact that they suffered two injuries to the defense, uh, Marco Scandella and Perunovic are both out long-term. So, you know, that opens up opportunities for other players, um, like a guy like Callie Rosen, who played pretty well for the Blues last night, sort of an under-the-radar player. Um, But I think overall it's been a a really good camp, and I'm sure the guys are ready to get these final two preseason games under their belt and uh, 
drop the puck for real next Saturday. Hey, John, you had some other other guys a little bit banged up. Barbashev with a lower body injury, Logan Brown upper body, uh, obviously Torpchenko coming back from the rehab. Are these injuries significant, or, or if it were the regular season, would those guys be good to go? Well, you know, I, I don't know for sure, um, you know, especially about Logan Brown. He's been out now a few days. Um, you know, the big player to me that's made huge progress is Torpchenko. I talked to him in the locker room last week, and he was supposed to be out until December. I'm sure you guys have talked about this, but he stayed in St. Louis all summer and literally worked out every single day. So he's miles ahead of schedule, and I don't know if he'll start the regular season in a Blues uniform, but it doesn't appear that he's too far away. So um, that's great to hear. But, you know, obviously losing two defensemen, you know, two players at one position is tough for the organization. And now, hypothetically, if something bad were to happen and you lose another guy, um, then you're really thin on the back end. So that's where, that's where there could be potential problems. Let's just hope you knock on wood. They stay healthy now on defense. Um, but losing two guys at one position in preseason is very difficult. John Kelly with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And, John, you mentioned Rosen. And behind Krug and Letty on that left side, you've got Mikola as well. And you've seen every game that Nico Mikola has played. It seems to me that he has progressively gotten better. Do, are you comfortable, if as a Blues fan and as somebody who, who knows the sport, are you comfortable with him being that third-pair defenseman on the left side? No question, Randy. I mean, at times last year, he played on the top pairing. And, you know, he had a very, I would call it inconsistent season, but that certainly is not out of line for a young player. I really liked his progression. And anytime you have a guy, Randy, and Kerry, that is, is that big, he's 6'4", 210, he's a very good skater. Anytime you have a guy that has, you know, that size and ability, then to me, that the outlook could be really good. So, um, he's made progress. Again, he's been inconsistent, um, but that comes with being a young player. So <clears throat> I'm more than comfortable with him being on the third pairing. And who knows, uh, guys, he could move up as the season goes on. And, you know, as I said, there could be injuries. We know that. Um, you know, sometimes Mike Van Ryan, who runs the defense, he, he uses guys in situational situations and things like that. So, you know, who knows where he'll end up. But I, I really – think the future is very bright for Nico Mikola. Hey, John, I was uh, looking at, at Nathan Walker and, and just his his career and, and the, the five, six years where he's just trying to find his way in, find, trying to find ice time, uh, was able to do so last season a little bit with the Blues. What do you see for his career going forward for this season and, and for going forward in general? Well, you know, he's not a young kid. He's 28 years old or so and had eight goals last year in 30 games. So you can do the, you know, the math. I mean, that's almost a, a goal every three games. He had a really nice goal the other night. You know, the bottom line with Nathan Walker is that obviously he's not a big guy. He's only 5'9", about 190. But he can play on my team any day of the week. He, he's, a, he's got good skill. He's got good speed. But more than that, he plays the right way, and he's fearless. So I, I like him a lot. And I would think there's a good chance that he's going to play a, a lot of games this year for the St. Louis Blues. Whether it's going to be on the fourth line or whatever, I don't know. Um, but I know that Bruby likes him a lot. The coaches like him. And again, to me, he's a guy and a guy that you don't have to worry about. You plug him in the lineup, and you know what you're going to get from Nathan Walker every night. Yeah, having guys like that on your on your team is extremely important because of the value that they add. You know, in different facets of the game. Well, exactly. And I think the biggest thing, Kerry, is 
you know, a coach's trust. And when you have a player, especially a young player, that is inconsistent, then, you know, that's where it's tough for a coach to put him into certain situations, um, maybe certain games. But when you have a, a player that you can trust, then that's in a way comforting for a coach. And I think they really trust what Nathan Walker can do nightly. John Kelly, last thing from me. One of the cool things for me about being a Blues fan over the last 20 years or so is that we've really had defined young nucleuses, whether it was the the group that included Bacchus and Oshie and, and Berglund and Perron, and then you move on to Schwartz and Tarasenko and Petro, and then you, you uh, move on to the group that we have now with uh, Ryan O'Reilly still here, and Bo Meester was here, and, and Steen was part of that group. And now the next nucleus appears to be in place with the long term contracts for uh, Thomas and Cairo, especially with the fact that they make the playoffs every year. For the Blues to be able to do this successfully on a continuous basis is pretty remarkable, and I'm excited about watching these kids grow, and I know that that's something that you always enjoy, is watching young players ascend to levels like we expect those two, Cairo uh, and Thomas, to get to. Yeah, you're right, Randy, and you have to have that. You have to have, every year to me, you have to have an influx of you know, two or three young kids coming in to, to you know, push the older players. And, you know, you mentioned Kyron Thomas. Obviously, they are the next wave. And, you know, Robert Thomas obviously was a big part of their Stanley Cup team. And, and Kyra really emerged last year as a superstar. Not a superstar, but a star and perhaps a superstar down the road. And, and then you look at um, a player like Jake Neighbors, uh, guys, who has a really good shot of making the team. He made the team last year and played in nine games. Neighbors has had a very good camp. So, you know, he's the next wave of players that hopefully can 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 really continue and keep the, the torch lit. But, you know, I think it comes down to, um, you know, a couple of things. Obviously, great management. Doug Armstrong, one of the top GMs in the league. And I think it's underlooked, guys, that – um, overlooked really is the Blues have really good coaches. They have a great coaching staff headed by Craig Bruby. So they get these players in. They do a great job of teaching them and coaching them and assessing where they need to be. Um, obviously, you have to draft the right players, so the scouts deserve a lot of credit as well. But I think right now the Blues have great culture throughout their organization, and hopefully they can continue to be a top team because it's been a lot of fun now for close to 12 years. It really has. John Kelly, it's always good to talk to you. We're looking forward to visiting every Thursday. Have a great season, and we'll see you at the rink soon. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. See you later. That is your TV voice of the St. Louis Blues, John Kelly in the Blues booth. Coming up, Blues Hall of Famer Brett Hall has a new business venture that he's started up. We'll talk about the Blues and that next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And one of my all-time favorite St. Louis athletes is a Stanley Cup champion who joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. It's the one and only Brett Hull, number 16. Good morning, Holly. How you doing? Good, guys. How about yourself? Everything's fantastic. And we know that you've stayed busy since you retired, and you've got a new endeavor. And people that have driven down 40 through Boone's Crossing, you might have seen Hippo's... uh, Cannabis Dispensary, and Brett Hall is a, a partner in that, and you've got a new number 16 strain out. You're uh, you're heavily involved with this. First of all, how'd you get involved with Hippos, Holly? Well, it's uh, it, it started a number of years ago uh, before uh, medical 
cannabis was even put on the, the ballot. And, you know, my buddy Chaser and uh, the number of years we were roommates together in St. Louis. And uh, I watched, uh, I watched him uh, battle with pain, uh, you know, and then he was diagnosed with that lesion on his brain, which caused multiple, uh, you know, medical problems for him. And so when he came to me and uh, said, I want to get involved with this because, you know, the studies and really the studies have just started scratching the surface of what the potential uh, cannabis has to help people across the spectrum of medical issues is, is, I mean, it's infinite going into the future. And, uh, you know, he explained to me that it, it, the possibility of it helping people is enormous. And I said, well, that sounds good to me. And, uh, and I'm sure, uh, as everyone knows that it's probably fairly lucrative too. So, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a double edge, you know, you have to be honest. Right. So, um, and so I said, I'm in. And so we started it with a, a few friends in St. Louis and it got on the ballot and it passed. And, uh, and so we're, uh, you know, we started it and uh, we are, we're excited about it and we're excited about the future of what it can do uh, for cannabis to replace opioids, you know, and everybody that has half a brain realizes that the, the, the opioid epidemic not only in this country, but around the world is so, so terrible that anything we can do to find something to replace opioids and their addictive qualities is, is worth everything. And so, uh, you know, cannabis has started that and, and we're looking forward to, uh, being a part of the future of, of getting rid of opioids altogether. Hey, but that was my, my point that I was going to lean to. Just as a former professional athlete, the amount of pain pills that are suggested that you take for the, the number of injuries that you may have, uh, this, this, this venture is going to alleviate some of those issues and, and help people get away from those pain pills, especially uh, pro- professional athletes. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, the first things that comes to your mind are professional athletes, right? Football players and uh, you know, the, the crazy physical nature of that sport. Um, but if, if you think about it and, and if you watch the news uh, or at least the news that covers uh, things like that, the number of number one killer of people, I believe I saw this morning between 18 and 45 is fentanyl and fentanyl can be easily put into opioids. Right. And so if you can stop kids from going on the Internet and and buying uh, opioids off the black market or wherever, you know, the, the risk of fentanyl drops to, you know, minuscule amounts. And uh, the legalization of cannabis has is put that availability where, you know, it can help with what you know, they're looking for or what they need and we can eliminate a lot of fentanyl deaths and, and, and it's crazy. So, uh, sorry about my dog. What's your, what's your dog's name? <laughs> old, old Nugget. Okay. <laughs> Tell Nugget we said hey. 
Hey, hey, yeah. Brett, uh, the Blues announced a couple of days ago their nominees for their inaugural class of the Hall of Fame, which you are obviously already in as a Hall of Famer and with your number retired. And by the way, I, I look at the list and I say everybody on the list deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But I wanted to ask you about Adam Oates because he had a lot to do with your 70 and uh, your your 70. Six goal season and your your eighty six goal season. Uh, Adam Oates was as good a playmaker as the Blues have ever had, isn't he? Well, he's as good a playmaker as this league has ever had, and um, you know, there's no question that he will be in there uh, in the future. But I think those guys, you know, Glenn Hall, Scotty Bowman, Sid Solomon, uh, you know, those guys are the reason the St. Louis Blues are still here. And I think they're wonderful choices. And, uh, uh, you know, I I can't wait for the ceremony because I'll be there with bells on. You know, Scotty Bowman, I won a Stanley Cup with him in Detroit, and he's one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. And, and, uh, you know, I think it's whoever decided on those first four uh, made wonderful decisions. And, uh, you know, there'll be people down the road, you know, you know, there's guys like Keith Kuchuk and there's, you know, uh, like you said, Adam Oates and Cujo and, uh, but these guys, uh, you know, with Gary Unger going in, I mean, it's, they'll, they'll all have their, their time to get in. Holly, what's your most memorable Scotty Bowman story from when you played with him? <laughs> uh, well, there's a few, but my, my favorite was, uh, to let people know uh, what a genius uh, he was is we were on the power play one night in Detroit and um, uh, I was waiting, you know, to change and I hear him scream uh, behind the bench to Barry Smith. And he, he's, he's yelling down behind the bench. He's like, Barry, Barry, you know, and there everyone's watching the power play and, and, uh, Barry, all of a sudden, he's like, Scotty, Scotty, what do you want? He goes, Barry, who's in my seats? <laughs> he, goes, he goes, I didn't give those people my my tickets. Who's in my seats? <laughs> and, and Barry's like, I, I don't know, Scotty, we're on the power play. And he's looking over there, and he's like, well, those, those people aren't supposed to be in my seats. And, and you know, all of a sudden, the, the other team ices it, and, and the, they change. And I'm still sitting there as a couple of the guys come off and, and he's, he knows exactly what was going on on the power play while he was doing that. He's like, no, no, you got to go over here and move it faster over there. And I'm like, Oh my God. He, like, There's a guy who can do two things at once. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. That's awesome. So it's yeah. Hippo's dispensary. Holly, I, I got to have you tell us about the number 16 strain release that was <laughs> developed for you. Well, I'm no geneticist, but uh, from what they tell me, uh, and I'm very flattered that they did this. I had no idea that they were doing this. And uh, so they told me, it, it, you know, the way these geneticists can, that they can take these genes out of these plants and direct them and, and, and put them together to make, you know, there's, there's so many strains of cannabis that can, they help the people with glaucoma, uh, they can help people that have seizures. Um, Chaser was telling me the other day that they have one where our great military veterans who have night terrors, 
they it won't stop the night terrors, but it it stops the memory. So when they wake up, they don't remember them. And I mean, any any time you can have something like that that's not an opioid that can help the people that have kept us in in our great lives, you know, for hundreds of years protecting this country and anything you can do to help them. I mean, it's worth every penny that you spend in, in research and development for that alone. And so, uh, you know, mine, I guess is just, a, it's a hair more potent. Uh, but it's also, from what I understand, it has, uh, anti-inflammatory capabilities and, uh, if you can believe this or not, a little bit of an arousal effect. Mm. So it's like a love drug. It's like love potion number 16. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> hey, it's great to hear your voice, and we're, we're so happy for you. And at the end of the day, it can be a, a huge lifesaver and make an impact on our on our, on our society. And, and uh, that's a great thing. Holly, always good to hear you. Thanks so much. And, Likewise. Uh, I'll see you guys soon. Be good. You bet. Take care. Hello to everyone in St. Louis. All right. Thanks, Brett. Uh, Brett Hall with us on 101 ESPN, the Hall of Famer and one of the all-time great people. He's he's something. That was fun. Yeah. I, I, I told you that was my first memory as a uh, St. Louis Blues fan, watching him skating pregame without a helmet on, and I thought his hair was the brightest mm-hmm. color of gold that I have <laughs> ever seen in my life. I, I had never seen anything that bright. Uh, so that was, that was for me, that was my, my first memory of, of Brett Hall, and, and so that was cool for me. But I, I didn't get a chance to ask, but I can tell you this, because I told Matthew this before the show even started this morning. He said it's somewhat lucrative. If Kelly Chase comes to you with a business proposition, it's going to be somewhat lucrative. Yeah. <laughs> so just just say, okay, Chase, I'm in. So there you go. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk more blues. Our blues insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. All right, you can follow Kerry Davis on Twitter at KerryDavis38. You can follow Matthew Rocchio. Is it Rocky ESPN? Yes, sir. And you can follow me at Randy Carricker. And we all have the poll up. It's the proper way to eat macaroni and cheese with a fork or a spoon. And right now, the fork leads 81.7% to 18.3%. We go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line because the definitive answer to this question can be had by our Blues Insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, who has young kids. They all like mac and cheese. He himself and his bride, I'm sure, like mac and cheese. JR, good morning. First of all, thank you very much for joining us. And can you give us the definitive answer? I think I can, and I, I don't think that you guys have uh, either one of the true options. The answer is uh, your hands. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I've been watching this for years with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jr. We are we are trying to get uh, Matthew Rocchio on the same page. He clearly is a spoon guy, and and we, uh, Randy and I both looked at him like he was a little bit crazy when he said that. But according to the text line, there are more spoon uh, mac and cheese eaters than I would care to believe in the St. Louis area. 
No, that's that's definitely the wrong answer. You got to go with the fork. You know, there's some loose mac and cheese in there, and uh, you got to you got to stab it with the fork. What did Doug Armstrong say? You know, punch it through the eye. There you go. It. Yeah, that's what I do with my macaroni and cheese. I think that's the adult answer, Jr. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jr. We were uh, talking to John Kelly earlier, and and I was asking him about some of the injuries that that the Blues are having. Uh, Barbashev is injured, obviously. Um, uh, Logan Brown is still injured. That injury seems to be a little bit longer than they thought. Are, are some of these injuries that are piling up a little bit concerning to you? Yeah, not so much. Sometimes you have those uh, early in camp. I mean, guys have been skating for a while and, and practicing together, but sometimes these injuries uh, just pop up. But, uh, you know, you had a lot of depth going on there, and there were some good training camp battles, and there still are. You know, there's still decisions that need to be made, Kerry. But uh, as I tried to look at the line combinations yesterday and write my article this morning about this uh, forward group, how this might shake out, it's a little bit difficult when, you know, Ivan Barbashev's not skating with the big group and you hear Craig Bruby say that Logan Brown could be out uh, just a bit. They're hoping to get him in one of these last two preseason games. So so not overly concerning, especially with all the depth that they have. Do you think Jake Neighbors, if I were to say he plays more or less than 41 games, it seems to me like it'd be more than 41 for the Blues, right? I think so, and I think that he's looked great. And I know we were saying the exact same thing last year in training camp, but he did have the option to go back to uh, junior hockey, be a captain, be a leader on that team, and that's what he was, and it worked out. It was ended up to be a great decision by the Blues. But, Randy, I, I watch these preseason games, and Jake Neighbors is just doing all the right things, and that's the difference between a young player who can make the team and a young player uh, who, who doesn't make the roster is – playing the game the right way. You talk to Jake Neighbors and he'll, he'll talk about, you know, putting the puck in the right spot to make a line change so you can help the next uh, line come on and putting them in a good spot. You, you talk about going to the net. I wrote about that this morning. You know, here's a 20-year-old kid. He's, what, six foot 201, and he's going to the front of the net like I haven't seen Blues players do in past years. So uh, he's playing the game the right way. He's done everything right, and I do think he's got a really good shot at cracking this roster. And, and yeah, yes, playing uh, 41 games plus if uh, – if he's on the roster. And JR, we talked at the beginning of camp about the possibility of the value of Ivan Barbashev on the fourth line might outweigh his ability in the top nine. And you've got that set up right now. Uh, what do you think of that? What do you think of Barbashev, Achari, and Walker, who is right now your fourth line? Yeah, and that's the thing. And I, I can't imagine that uh, Barbashev would be too excited about that after what he did last year with the 60 points, the 26 goals. You know, he, he finally got that opportunity, some play, power play time, and and really converted with that opportunity. Uh, but like we said, the fourth line hasn't had an identity, you know, I don't think for a couple of years now. And not only not only do they want a gritty group down there, but they also want a group that can score. Well, Barbashev has proven that. So it's a long season. You know, Barbashev, I'm sure, will find his way into, you know, a middle six, a third-line role at, at times. Uh, and that might even be the way they start the season. We don't know that he's going to be on the fourth line yet. But if they do put a 60-point guy on the fourth line, it's because Craig Bruby wants that group to be able to score and also you know that ties into what we just said Jake Neighbors could potentially be on that third line with uh with Braden Chen so so we'll see what happens but that is a possibility hey JR is, is the, these last couple of preseason games how important is it for uh, guys like a Tyler Pitlick or, or Martin Furk to to show that they de- that they belong in order to make the roster yeah right now on the outside looking in especially uh, those two guys have been banged up you're talking about the injuries earlier you know, Pitlick, I thought, has had a great camp. Uh, Kerry had a really good chance to make this team still might, but I think it's just tough for him right now because he's out with the uh, injury. And Craig Ruby said yesterday, just kind of 
you know, tough, uh, tough luck for him. So, you know, if they want to continue to look at him and, and uh, perhaps he does get in one of these final two games, you know, that remains to be seen because of the injury. Uh, perhaps he can still prove himself. But he's done everything he can when healthy to deserve to be on this team. JR, none of us, when the Blues Hall of Fame committee was put together, spoke to each other. But most of the people that I have talked to, and this includes Doug Vaughn and Frank Cusimano, and you put it up on Twitter, pretty much everybody has Scotty Bowman on there. And I am of the opinion that if if the Blues don't get off to the start the first three years under Scotty Bowman that they did, there's a re- better than 50-50 chance that they aren't here right now. I think if, if I had to pick one guy, and by the way, my three were Bowman, Unger, and Liut. But if I had to pick only one of those, I think I'd go with Scotty Bowman. Yeah, you went with three uh, good ones. I heard yours. I ended up going with uh, Scotty Bowman, Glenn Hall, and Red Berenson. My approach was I was starting from day one, and then I'm going to come out uh, you know, to, to more current times. Obviously, Gary Unger would, you know, if he doesn't get in this year, uh, for sure he's, uh, I'm going to vote for him next year. Uh, but I think you go back with Scotty Bowman. What do you hear a lot from people around the NHL, particularly here in St. Louis, is he had all his success after he left St. Louis, and that just isn't true. He and Lynn Patrick sat down, and they said, hey, let's go for a, a veteran-laden lineup, and they went out and got the Glenn Halls and those types of guys. And they actually had to talk him into playing here in St. Louis. Al Arbor, some of these guys weren't interested, and these guys talked him to coming to St. Louis and playing. And you're right, you know, could the Blues still be here if uh, they didn't have success those first three years? For sure. But people latched on to hockey. People I talked to today still say, you know, I remember that first year going down to the games, it was the place to be. And, and that was because they were successful. And it's the roster they put together. And it was going to three straight finals under Scotty Bowman. So to me, he's a no-brainer in this first group. JR, as always, great stuff. Thanks so much for taking the time with us. And uh, we'll keep up reading you and your great work at The Athletic. Yeah, Randy, I got to tell you that I was interviewing Brett yesterday, and uh, he told me about his, his strain, his number 16 strain, and he said that uh, it had uh, anti-inflammatory effects in it. And I said, do what? You inflamed every situation you were involved in. How in the heck anti-inflammatory strain? That's great. And how about love potion number 16? I rolled out of my chair when he just said that a few minutes ago. He's the best. He's, He's the awesome. Best. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. All right, JR, we'll see you soon. That's Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. So this was a fun hour. Robert Thomas talking blues, John Kelly talking blues, Brett Hull talking blues, and JR talking blues. Next up, we've got our weekly NFL preview coming your way on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for our NFL preview and CD is going to get things going first with... Steelers versus Bills. The Steelers (laughs) versus the Bills. Uh, So... This may be a little bit of a homer pick, but Kenny Pickett is going to get his opportunity to start for the first time this season. Came in in a, in a relief role last week, threw, two, threw three interceptions, um, but I think the offense hopefully can get going a little bit better with him under the helm. The one thing that the Steelers are going to have to do to give themselves a fighting chance is get Najee Harris going. He is at 202 yards this season. Josh Allen has 183. He's the quarterback. Daniel Jones has 193 yards rushing. 
There is a, a, a an issue that the Steelers are having with not getting him some room to run the ball. Um, and, and personally, I think they need to go under center a little bit more, get him going downhill as opposed to going laterally to get him going. But I think the addition of Kenny Pickett will allow Fryermuth to get going a little bit more. And Deontay Johnson, the receiver that they paid a lot of money to this mm-hmm. offseason, has to get going as well. Um, and, and, and hopefully Kenny Pickett can get this offense doing that. On the flip side, and with that, if they are able to run the ball, it will keep the ball out of this man's hands and Josh Allen because he has been playing spectacular. Um, he's he's one of the lead candidates for for a, for MVP this season. Um, the way that that he distributes the football, if Gabe Davis is healthy, Stephon Diggs, we know what he can do. Um, as I just said, he is their leading rusher, though. They they have to find some running game as well, especially if the, as the, as it gets later in the season. Right now, it's okay because he's he's playing at such a high level, but. They have to get some things going for the sec. Their secondary is a bit banged up though. Poyer got injured last week. Um, Dane Jackson, the safety, the corner, they got hurt a few weeks ago and, sent, and taken to the hospital is back. But you have Micah Hyde is out. Tre'Davious uh, J- um, White White is out at, at corner. He hasn't played at all this season. He's still on the pup list. So their secondary has some injuries. They are banged up a little bit, um, but. I think if the Steelers can run the football and protect the football, I know they are a heavy underdog going into this game. I think they get is that did I read that right? Fourteen? Is that they're mm-hmm. point fourteen yeah. point oh, oh my yeah. goodness, that is a lot of points. Yeah. Nah, well, I'm not gonna throw that out the window, but I, I think they still have an opportunity if they take care of the football. Okay, so I have the running back for the Jaguars, Jim okay. Robinson, and I have Najee Harris. Yeah. It's tough sledding. At times, but what do I do? Oh, so, you, you, which one do you start? Which, because I've got Aaron Jones, so he's starting. Okay, he's so one. Do I, do I bench Najee? Who Who are the Jags playing this week? Do you Do we know who the Jags are playing? Uh, Let's right see. off the top of my head, I do not know. I, so. I would have to see who they're playing. I think you still would start. Um, that, Najee. That, oh, they're playing the Texans. Start. Oh yeah. Start start James James Robinson. Robinson. Yes. Okay, we'll do. Yeah. All right. Uh, my first game is. The Philadelphia Eagles versus the Arizona Cardinals. C.D. and Matthew, this is the old immovable force versus irresistible object game. <laughs> okay. The Arizona Cardinals are fifth in the league against the run, averaging only 87 against per game. Well, the Eagles are fifth in offensive rushing, and they're averaging about 187 a game themselves. So 187 for the Eagles, for 87 for the Cardinals against. The Cardinals are a different defense with J.J. Watt back. Yeah. He's a complete big-time difference maker. But I think this is a game where if those two teams offset each other offensively and defensively, Philadelphia versus Arizona. I think this is where the Eagles defense really steps up. The Eagles defense is number three in the league right now, and the Arizona offense really hasn't taken off for what they have. And they lost A.J. Green, but Connor really hasn't gotten off to a great start. Uh, Hollywood Brown has had his moments. Uh, Kyler obviously has had his moments, but I don't think that that offense of Arizona is strong enough to have a big game against Philadelphia. I, I I could absolutely see this game coming down to Jalen Hurts winning it with his arm to Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. Yeah, for, for the Cardinals offensively, they are, are sorely missing DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. They have to get him back. Um, I think he still has three, three games left on his suspension after this week. Um, so I know that when he gets back in the fold, they'll be a much better, much different offense than they are right now. 
for for whatever reason, it doesn't look as fluid as it has in the past few years. I don't think Kyler is having as much success as, as he had as and running the ball and, and getting, you know, scrambling and keeping plays alive as, as the way that he normally has. I think that this Phillies team is the Phillies. <laughs> Philadelphia team is the is the the lead dog in the NFL right now. They're obviously they're four and with their record, but just watching them play football, Miles Sanders running the ball, Jalen Hurts adds an additional uh level with him his ability to run the ball. And then you got two stud receivers as you said. I like the Eagles to, to uh, this weekend. Special teams, too. Their special yes. teams are really, yep. really surprisingly good. The Cincinnati Bengals right, versus Matthew. the Baltimore Ravens. All right, Matthew, here we go. Well, Kerry, I mean, you, you know what it's like when there's an AFC North battle anytime, and this one is is really simple to me. You haven't, you know, you talk about immovable force, unmovable, uh, unmovable irresistible. object, irresistable force, unmovable <laughs> object. It's kind of the opposite here in the Bengals and Ravens, which is the Ravens' pass defense is not good. They can't get a, they can't get any pressure, and therefore their their cornerbacks like Marcus Peters are out there on an island. They're screaming at their coach because they're getting torn apart. Well, on the other side, the Bengals aren't doing that great of a job airing out the ball like they have in the past. So, which one of those kind of bad things breaks? It's kind of the opposite of what Randy was talking about. So, does the Bengals' offensive line not being able to gel? Does that allow a poor Ravens front seven to attack Joe Burrow and stop him from throwing or do we just see a continuation of the Ravens issues a lack of getting pressure and therefore teams able to feast is this a big Jamar Chase game is Marcus Peters yelling at at, at his coach on the sideline again I think there's a pretty good chance I think this is the game finally where even more so when they finally get one high safety and take their shot like the Bengals did last week this is the week where the Bengals offense finally starts looking like 2021 again well I was watching uh, a breakdown of of quarterbacks under center and 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 in the shotgun. And I think Mina Collins for ESPN said it was 3% for the Bengals first week and, and I think 17% the second week, 22, 25 the fourth, third and fourth week and and what being under center does is allows them to get that running game going with Joe Mixon. If they can get that running game going, I, it's, it seems to be a, a, an epidemic in the NFL right now where running backs are, are being dismissed and everyone wants mm-hmm. to throw the football but there are some very good running backs that are not getting the ball enough or getting enough opportunities that offense with Joe Mixon running the football is what's going to open up things downfield for for this uh, for this for this Bengals football team and if they decide if they ever decide to just hand it off to him and let him get going you'll see Jamar Chase and T Higgins and, and Boyd get open a little bit more on the flip side what the Ravens have is the ultimate the game changer in, in Lamar Jackson and we've talked about him all season long just his ability to make plays with his arm with his legs if I were to choose, I still think that the Ravens would win this game just based on, I mean, if you got Lamar Jackson, you got a fighting chance. So I, I would take the Ravens because of that. But if the Bengals can figure out how to run the ball again and protect Joey B, it'll be a very good game. The Dallas Cowboys versus the Los Angeles Rams. So this game is is intriguing to me, right? He just, Matthew Stafford is is... A guy who, you know, came in last season, had a very good season, won the Super Bowl, but he is force-feeding Cooper Cup the football. Allen Robinson is not getting nearly the amount of targets. I think Allen Robinson, when I looked at it, had 18 targets, mm-hmm. um, and, and Cooper Cup ha- has 42 catches. That That is a, a large disparity between the two, and, and you have to find a way, again, for the Rams to run the football. Cam Akers, Henderson, they got to get going in the run game, but they have to distribute the football equally to their to their players and not focus so heavily on Cooper Cup because it, it seems as now teams are just saying, okay, throw it to him underneath, we'll come up and make the tackle. And I know that's not what, what Sean McVay wants to do. He wants to take shots down the field and he wants to get those guys the football. 
and and he's not able to do it right now. And they can't run the ball. They they so, can't. They, so it's Cooper Cup. And then who else, yeah, right? That's yeah. the problem they have. Higby hasn't caught a lot of balls either. Allen Robinson was supposed to replace either Van Jefferson, who's injured and hasn't come back yet, or Odell OBJ. Beckham Jr. So the, you talk about one-dimensional. It's That's as one-dimensional as you can get. It is. And, and then on the other side, Cooper Rush has been playing very well. The Dallas Cowboys game plan has changed because of not having Dak. And if they can do uh, continue this type of offense where they are not forcing Dak to throw the ball mm-hmm. 40 times, hand the ball off, get some easy catches, to, to CD Lamb and 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 Gallup, who just got back, they'll be okay. I don't. I, I think the Cowboys, as crazy as this sound, I think the Cowboys go in and win this game because they are better suited to play that type of football with the offense and the quarterback that they have right now. Can't they both lose? That that would be ideal. But I, well, they can tie. A tie would be good. <laughs> tie would be good. The Green Bay Packers versus the New York Giants. Guys, if you're a Packer fan, this is scary. The Packers were manhandled up front by New England in the running game last week. And they were able to win because they were going against a rookie quarterback in Bailey Zappi. The Giants lead the league in rushing. Saquon Barkley, as an individual, leads the league in rushing. And the Packers can't stop the run. This is a game in London. It's an 8.30 in the morning game. I really think that the Giants have a chance to win this one. Low-scoring game, but... The receivers have not arrived for Green Bay yet. They need to really integrate both uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon into the passing game if they're going to have any success throwing the ball. But I think this is a game where the Giants, who don't have much of a trip to travel to London, I I think that this is a game where they can just physically outman the Packers. I, I will not be surprised if the Giants win this game. Neither would I. I think the, the Giants are are still figuring some things out. They lost Sterling Shepard for the year, um, and they're going to have to figure out who they're going to throw the ball to, who can get open. Kadarius Toney is still on that roster, mm-hmm. and he's a very good player, but I, I think they, they, they have kind of – he's in the doghouse right now. He's got to figure some things out. But if they can get that offensive going with the pass game, the way Saquon Barkley is running the football, they're going to be tough to stop. Yep. And one more from Matthew. The Detroit Lions versus the New England Patriots. Well, we have one of the highest scoring offenses in the entire league. The highest scoring offense in the entire league. We have the passing leader in Jared Goff, tied passing leader, and rushing touchdowns leader in Jamal Williams. So the big question here is, can Bill Belichick, the most ballyhoo defensive coordinator as a head coach that we've seen in a long time, can he stop that offense from scoring? That's the big question here. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. You guys already talked about it. Can an undrafted rookie... You know, stick with that Lions offense. That's the big question here. There has been no reason that we should stick with the Patriots except for the fact they keep on churning out cornerbacks. Josh Jackson's another in a long line of cornerbacks and defensive backs the Patriots keep kicking out. If he can step up, have another big game, if that defensive backfield can cause a usually mistake-prone Jared Goff to just make two mistakes. I actually think the Patriots can win this one in the high 20s, low 30s over the Lions. Beyond that, if it gets past that, there's just no way this Patriots offense can keep up. Lions have allowed the most points in the league. They're allowing 35.3 points a game, but they do score the most. But I would say that this does fall to advantage New England, unfortunately, simply because even with a rookie quarterback, I think Belichick will find a way to put some points on the board. Yeah, I, I don't think that it's going to be close. And I think the the Detroit Lions have they haven't arrived just yet because they still haven't figured out how to win games defensively. They got to stop some people, but if they are putting up the points that they are offensively and they're playing against a third string quarterback in Billy Zappi, Billy Zappi Bailey. is Bailey Zappi. Yeah, I, I, Bailey Zappi. I keep wanting to say Billy Zappi. 
<laughs> I think that's what I was thinking. Um, but if they can if they can figure out how to stop somebody, this team is going to be really good. I like what they're doing offensively, and I like Dan Campbell. I, I do too. And you, you hate just if, if you have a Matt Patricia bowl, you've got a problem. That's that's what they have <laughs> this week. Kerry, Randy, Matthew, and that's our NFL preview on 101 ESPN. Coming up, it was a great season for City 2, and their coach John Hackworth joins us next from St. Louis City SC on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive on 101 ESPN as St. Louis City SC prepares for their inaugural season starting next March. City 2 has had an amazing first year. They won the Western Conference Finals last Saturday over Tacoma and will play Columbus, the Eastern Conference champions, on Saturday in Columbus. And joining us now is John Hackworth. He is the head coach of City 2. Coach, congratulations. First of all, thanks for joining us and uh, this has to be an exciting time over there on Market Street. Yeah, we're pretty excited. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Coach, when you when you put together, when you start a season off and, and you start putting together your goals, uh, uh, how high on the list is, is winning the conference, and, and are there other goals that you want to attain uh, prior to that? No, we look, we put this team together from absolute scratch last year. You know, this is our first professional team in our club. So really what we wanted to try to do is to establish an environment, a culture, and a process for everything we do so that going into 2023, we would have a lot of things ironed out as we went into the MLS. And one of the things that uh, Lutz has talked about is, as you mentioned, a culture and a philosophy so that when a player on City 2 ascends to the MLS team, he's ready to go. How much of that culture, how much of that style have you been able to integrate this year? I mean, I think that's exactly why Lutz hired me. You know, (laughs) um, it was my job to implement that style. Uh, And that, again, is such it's it's simple but it's, it's the pathway that will get players from one level to the next. And if it's consistent in terms of principles and philosophy and they understand it, it just makes th- that entire thing so much smoother for them. And I would guess when we talk about culture that you have developed a group of young players that now expect to win. That's part of having a great culture, isn't it? I don't know how you develop players without winning. I mean, winning, you have to learn how to win. And there's a lot of things that go into that, obviously. Uh, Carrie, you know that better than anybody. But you can't get to a place of being successful unless you do all the little things in the process leading up to competition. So that's what we've really just tried to instill and make sure everybody understands. Hey, Coach, I, when I, I'm a coach myself, but when I talk to other coaches, most of us agree that it is harder now uh, to get young men or, or young women to, to focus on the task at hand with so many other things going on around them. Have you found that th- to be true as well, or, or, or is it easier for you depend, just, just based on the guys you have? No, but, I mean, I think that's the key. Like, who do you have? And we were really intentional about who we selected, and we just – look. Sometimes you get lucky, right? And we brought in a group of players, some veterans that were incredible leaders and some young guys who we felt had character um, and the kind of profile to fit our system. And 
you know, early on in preseason, you could tell that this group was pretty special. They were meshing together. They were, you know, united in how they worked. You know, they were super competitive in training. I mean, our training sessions were ridiculously competitive early days. And then as a coach, you just sit back and be like, okay, this, is, this might be some fun. John Hackworth, he is the head coach of City 2. They're on their way to Columbus for the championship game on Sunday, the championship match on Sunday. Tell us about preparations this week for Columbus. Yeah, it doesn't change for us. I mean, we want to make sure that we approach it just like any game. You know, uh, I always feel like when you get to this stage in the season in the playoffs, especially when you're playing in a final, you know, everybody gets a little more nervous. And so if you – you approach it like, hey, it's just another game versus, hey, this is a huge moment for all of us. It just kind of keeps things in perspective. And, and I think you get better concentration from everybody, not just the players, the staff, everybody that's now, you know, you get a lot more attention in these moments. And so if you can just stick to what you do. I think that's a, a better recipe for it. As a coach, how do you prepare for it? I know it's it's one thing to tell the players that, but how do you prepare your your preparation going into it in the mindset of of knowing what this game means means in this moment? Yeah, I just try to make sure that I, I I'm I'm leading them. I'm feeling well prepared, and being well prepared just means you do all the work. You know, you you watch video until late at night and early in the morning, get all of your processes right, and you do the things that got you here. And then you have to just, you know, say, look, there's nothing more we can do because we've done it all and it's been successful, you know, the whole year long. Our body of work has been excellent. What we do and how we do it uh, has put us in this position. And now we just got to go out and play. Hey, John, on his app, Kerry Davis has a little counter for how many hours of tape he watches. <laughs> do you have that? And if so, can you give us an idea of how much you've watched lately? Oh, man, I don't have a counter, Carrie. I might need to steal that from you. My wife would love that because if she could restrict how much uh, film I watched, um, she would be a happy woman. Really? Um, but it's, I don't even know if I could count it. The interesting thing is, you know, we haven't played Columbus all year. Uh, they're an opponent in the Eastern Conference, and, and I kind of love the idea that they haven't seen us either. And I don't think you can get our, you know, nuances on film like, I'm excited to let Columbus feel a little bit of what we uh, have. I was going to say the, the, the wives and, and girlfriends of coaches are really the MVPs of, of the household because they <laughs> deal with so much uh, with us doing so much for our teams and making sure that we're ready to go on, on game days. I agree with that wholeheartedly. That's uh, John Hackworth. He is the head coach of City 2. They're playing Columbus for the MLS Next Pro Cup on Sunday, and we hope you lift that cup and bring it home to St. Louis. That's the plan. All right, John, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, thanks, guys. See you later. That is John Hackworth, and he's done a magnificent job. Like he said, you, and you do it at the high school level. You have to. You have no choice. But it's got to be so fun from a coaching perspective to literally build a team from scratch yeah. and then have it grow up and get to the level that they're at right now. The best part is when you have players that you teach something to and then they implement it in the game. The things you work on in practice and you see them actually doing it in games and it's having the success uh, that you you told them that, that told them that it would have. Those 
those are the best moments for for coaches. And by the way, that game on Sunday, let me double check here. I believe it can be seen, and Matthew and I have different times, so we're going to have to nail down the time here, right? MLSNextPro.com is where you can watch uh, the game. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at a 12.30 sort of time, but Randy, you're saying you're yep. looking at a 4.30. So and and on, their, on the game story at St. Louis City SC, it says that the game will be played at 4.30 Central Time, so we'll have to nail down the exact time. We'll get in touch with our friends at SC and uh, allow you to be able to watch that on Sunday afternoon right before the Cardinal. Well, no, the Cardinals are going to win it in two, so you don't there have you to worry about it. Not a problem. Pretty good. Get it done. Coming up next, we've got the fight for you on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Good morning and welcome into the fight, a late edition of the fight today. Had some some interviews to get to earlier, so we got the fight here at 9.30. And here I am, Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio. We are ready to get this thing rolling. And our contestant today is Ben. Ben, good morning. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you guys? Doing well. How are you feeling? I'm uh, a little nervous to challenge the king, but I'm pretty excited. Well, Ben, it's a, it's a late edition, and I will tell you that the time difference may throw Randy off just a little bit, maybe. We can we can hope for that, correct? That's what I'm hoping, yeah. just like those London games. There we go. It's a little bit of time difference. He may be off today. So let's get ready to roll. On this let's day, on this day in nineteen ninety five, the Colorado Avalanche played their first franchise game. What was the franchise known as before their move? The Mon excuse me, the Minnesota North Stars, the Hartford Whalers, or the Quebec Nordiques? The Nordiques. On this day in 2010, Roy Holiday pitched the second ever MLB postseason no-hitter. Who threw the first? Was that Cy Young, Bob Gibson, or Don Larson? Um, stick with the hometown. Let's go Bobby Gibson. All right, Ben, there have been five instances of a three-home run game in the World Series in Major League, his, in Major League Baseball history. Hit by three. Four. Hit by four different players. Uh, I'm sorry. Five <laughs> hit by four different players. Babe Ruth was the first to do it. He did it twice. Mr. October was the second, and we all remember Albert Pujols in 2011. Who was the fourth player to do it? Who was the fourth player to ever do it? Cecil Fielder, Pablo Sandoval, or Cody Bellinger? Jeez. Or do you need me to repeat the question? <laughs> no, no, no. You're good. I got it. Um... Uh, let's go with Prince's dad, Cecil. All right. The 2022 Dodgers are the seventh team in Major League Baseball history to lead both the AL and NL in the most runs scored and fewest runs allowed. Which team was the last to do it? Was it the 01 Mariners, the 04 Red Sox, or the 09 Brewers? Uh, 01 Mariners. All right. We'll double check our score here with Mr. Kerry Davis, and we will wave in Randy Carricker. Randy Carricker, a svelte-looking Randy Carricker in the black pants and the gray Super Bowl hoodie. You're looking, you're looking, you're looking good today, Randy Carricker. Thank you. Where Super Bowl is that? That was New York, so that was Seattle and uh, Denver. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> the one yeah. that was over after the first snap. Yeah, yeah that was <laughs> the same, really was. Same, same one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a rough one to be yeah, at. So, uh, you know, 
Joe Buck's wife, Michelle, grew up in Denver, was okay. Broncos cheerleader. And so he watches practice during the week and he goes back and says, Babe, this is not going to be good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think he, I don't think he knew it was going to be over with the first snap. It was a foot over Peyton Manning's yeah, head. Though. Was One bad. of those games. With the Legion of Boom, yeah, where they were ready, yeah, and he, it's one of the. Sometimes in practice, you can just see it. Like I knew that when the Rams played Minnesota for the '99 NFC Championship mm-hmm. game, that game was over well before it yeah. started. Yeah. It's just you've been in games like that, right? They're there are there well are some games, yes, yeah. indeed. Uh, Randy, say hello to Ben. Ben is our Ben. Contestant. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Got it. All right, Randy. On this day in 1995, the Colorado Avalanche played their first franchise game. What was the franchise known as before their move? That was the uh, Tony Twist Quebec Nordique. I completely forgot the Tony Twist, yep. where he was before the blue. That's a good yep. one. On this I day- think we traded him for Brownie, for Jeff Brown. Oh, how about that? On this day in 2010, Roy Holiday pitched the second ever MLB postseason no-hitter. Who threw the first? Don Larson. Perfect game, 1956, New York Yankees. Of course. <laughs> there have been five instances of a three-home run game in the World Series in Major League Baseball history, hit by four different players. Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth was the first to do it, and he did it twice. Mr. October was the second, and we all remember Albert Pujols hitting it in 2011. Who was the fourth player to ever do it? Panda against Justin Verlander and the Tigers. Uh, Pablo Sandoval of the Giants. All right, and the 2022 Dodgers are the seventh team in Major League Baseball history to lead both the AL and the NL in most runs scored and fewest runs allowed. Which team was the last to do that? I'll do the old lifeline here. I think I got an idea, but I'm going to do the lifeline just in case. Is it the 01 Mariners, the 04 Red Sox, or the 09 Brewers? Okay, I uh, the team that I thought wasn't uh, I, I thought it would be the '98 Yankees. So, 01 Mariners, 04 Red Sox, or 09? 09 Brew Crew. Brew Crew. Seems like a trick. Here, I don't think the 09 Brew Crew was that good pitching wise. They could hit the 04 Red Sox. Were a really good team. And they had Schilling, and they had Pedro, didn't have his best year, and they had Lowe. And they had Manny, and they had Poppy, and they had Bill Mo- You know, I'm going to go with that 04 Red Sox squad. At the expense of that great Seattle team. I'm going to go with the 04 Red Sox, because this is an absolute shot in the dark. As I was getting ready to, uh, you know close out the, the fight here with our little announcements. I, I almost said we're, we're closing out a great week because for some reason this felt like a Friday. Um, and <laughs> I, I say that knowing that tomorrow's show is going to be the most Friday show ever because it's going mm-hmm. to be so jam-packed and there's going to be not a minute to talk about anything but Cardinal Baseball. We're going to talk about a lot of Cardinal Baseball. So on this Thursday, Friday Eve, how did Randy Carricker step up against Ben? Did Ben have enough to make Randy Carricker fight for a second round a second time this week? It was a close one, but was it enough? (laughs) Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. Get you a fall guy. Hello? You play to win the game. There we go. You don't play to just... I had the wrong thing. Okay, here we go.
Just win, baby. There we go. Randy Carriker takes <laughs> this one. With the game. It's a 3-2 win for Randy. It was a close one. He would have had the jack, but I, I definitely uh, confused you with that last one. But he did get a 3-2 win over Ben. Ben, it was a great job. You got two out of four. Good job. But unfortunately, not enough against Megamind. Hey, all good. Sorry, Carmen. I appreciate it. And got to give out sh- a shout-out to my boy, Mike. We're uh, big fans of you guys, and I uh, appreciate it. All right, thanks, man. Thanks, man. Good to have you with us. And Mike. Yeah, thanks, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for joining the show, Ben, and thanks for listening, Mike. Gary Davis, Randy got three of the four, so let's find out which one he missed. Take us to the answers. All right, on this day in 1995, the Colorado Avalanche played their first franchise game. What was the franchise known as before their move? They were the Quebec Nordiques. On this day in 2010, Roy Halladay pitched the second ever Major League Baseball postseason no-hitter. Who threw the first? It was indeed Don Larson. Perfect game. World Series versus the... Was it against the Doyers? It was. Good job. (laughs) There have been five instances of a three-home run game in the World Series. Major League Baseball history hit by four different players. Babe Ruth, uh, Reggie Jackson, Albert Pujols did it in 2011. The fourth was indeed Pablo Sandoval. Panda. The Panda. Panda. The, the yeah. Panda. Yeah, that was a great nickname. That was great, yeah. yeah, yeah I like, like that. 2002 Dodgers are the 17th to lead the AL and NL in most runs scored and the fewest runs allowed. Which team was the last to do it? It was indeed the 2001 Mariners. Oh, I thought you would get that one because they were they, were they won a they lot of 116 yeah, they, games. Yeah, yeah. So they, I, I thought you would get that one based on the number of wins they had. I just thought he was trying to trick me. <laughs> I, I, I was. And also you have to remember it's St. Louis and so we remember the 2004 Boston Red Sox. All their players were 12 feet tall. All their pitchers <laughs> threw 145 miles per hour and that's why they got swept. And a, a vast majority of their players were all juiced up mm. there's that, that too <laughs> yeah that was the, the, the red sox team that won uh came back from the 3-0 yeah versus yeah. the yankees yeah yeah that was good. pretty good team uh that's the fight on 101 espn coming up we've got what's on tap including the latest on the proper way to eat macaroni and cheese Indeed. that's coming your way and more on 101 espn <laughs> Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, we're going to head down the stretch here. Uh, A couple of things. Number one, I need uh, my guys to help me out. So I just got a text from a buddy who's listening right now and asked if I got the Colorado Avalanche question wrong in the fight. What no. did I say? What, how, how did I answer the Colorado Avalanche question? Who were they for previously known as? And I said... Tony Twists. Tony Twists, Quebec yes. Nordiques. Yes, you did. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I, I, didn't I didn't get it wrong. I didn't get it wrong. No, that's what he, I got, he got three out of four. The only one he got wrong was my fault. Yeah, no, no, it's not your fault. That's, <laughs> a, that's, a, that's a good question. That's a, that's a great trivia question. That's terrific. Also, we need you to know, as I get back to our poll, the question of the day is, what is the proper way to eat macaroni and cheese, with a fork or with a spoon? Right now, 874 votes. Feel free to vote at Randy Carricker on Twitter. Right now, fork leads 80.9% to 19.1%. I've told the guys that I will make macaroni and cheese, and I will bring it in tomorrow, and I will bring in forks and Thank spoons. You. Well, no spoons. Okay. Uh, Rock is going to eat. He's going to be an adult tomorrow and eat this mac and cheese with a fork. How do we How do we feel about that? Again, it's not that I can't. <laughs> see, this is, this, is, this is my issue. It's not that I can't eat mac and cheese with a fork. It's that I prefer to eat mac and cheese with a spoon because I don't want any of that cheesy goodness to not, you know, Well, that's what eaten. the fork is for. 
But cheese is liquid, Karen. I don't know if you know this, but liquids and forks do not go if, well hand well, in hand very well. Then, then there lies the even, problem. So. Even extremely viscous ones. Just, just, just vote. Just <laughs> vote at Twitter. All right, the hunt for Red October is back, and the Cardinals are in the playoffs, and we're getting you set with a Redbird playoff report on 101 ESPN. The Redbirds with a workout this afternoon, at which Ali Marmol will reveal his pitching plans for the series. We already know that it'll be for the Phillies, Zach Wheeler starting Game 1 and Aaron Nola starting Game 2. And our Hunt for Red October report presented by Swiss Air Heating and Cooling. Heating system tune-up and safety check for just 69 bucks. SwissAirSTL.com. And, CD, your prediction for the Cardinals pitcher tomorrow at 107. I think it's Miles Michaelis. I, I, I think that's the one that they uh, that goes out there and starts this this series off on the, on the right foot with a win. Mm-hmm. And gets this Cardinal team, you know, up a one zero lead. I'm thinking Michaelis Quintana in the first two. That's what I think as well. And I, I think it'll be. I, I agree with the people that believe that the Cardinals will go with Adam Wainwright in Game Three. Really. That being said, based upon the last month of his, and the fact that Schwarber and Harper are in that lineup, I think I'd go Jordan Montgomery. Yeah. I, I can see I can see Montgomery. Um, you don't think Flaherty at all. You don't think he has a chance, or you think is he if if everything goes well, he's your game one starter for the NLDS. Yeah, he's pitching in Atlanta. I've seen him do it in Atlanta mm-hmm. before. He's a really good pitcher, home or road. He's got swing and miss. I think that Flaherty has a better chance to handle the. Braves lineup than any other Cardinal starter. There you go. Okay. Well, it, we, well. It, the, the, the question is either, well, we don't need a game three starter, do we? Hope not. Nah, no, we don't. We're going to put it in the atmosphere. Put it right? in two. There you okay. go. Put it out there in the universe. <laughs> and uh, the Blues, thank you, Blues, for moving tomorrow's game, or Saturday's yeah. game, rather, from night to day. It's a 2 o'clock game now for the Blues, and you'll hear it here on 101 ESPN pregame at one face-off at two for the Blues and Blackhawks, and we will have game two of the Cardinals series for you that night on Saturday night at 7 o'clock. So we have the opener tomorrow, first pitch 107, Cards and Phillies, and then we'll have Padres and Mets tomorrow night at 6, and then on Saturday we'll have both Blues and Blackhawks and the Cardinals and Phillies for that doubleheader. Good weekend. Good weekend for sports be, in St. Louis. It's going to be awesome. Yep. And you can join 101 ESPN for a Blues season preview party next Friday, a week from tomorrow, at Copper Fire in Belleville. Blues kicking off the regular season on Saturday the 15th. And to celebrate, we're hosting a day-long broadcast at Copper Fire with BK and Ferrario live from 11 to 2 Friday and then the Fast Lane from 2 to 6. Special guests, great food and drinks, and a Blues giveaway every hour from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m., including your chance at signed pucks, a signed Ryan O'Reilly jersey, and much more. The 101 ESPN Blues Season Preview Party next Friday at Copper Fire in Belleville. Get all the details at 101ESPN.com. All right, CD, I'm going to have you go through this quickly. So you've got the Cardinals winning the series against Philadelphia. I do. So the Cardinals would play Atlanta in the second round. Mets and Padres, who do you got? I got the Mets. I do too. And they will play Atlanta. And that is something neither of those yeah. franchises expected in the second round. <laughs> Not and by all. the way, when the Mets and Dodgers play, I kind of think that they're going to wind up being in primetime. Uh, more than game. likely. Every yeah, game. probably. Possibly. New York, L.A. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's more than likely. At, uh, American League, Tampa and Cleveland in the first round. At I, Cleveland. Three, I think best I, of three at Cleveland. I think I'll go Cleveland. I'm going to, too. And Tampa's really good. Yeah. 
Cleveland just does it. And they have really good starting pitching. I'm with you. And by the way, Cleveland has a bunch of players you've never heard of. It's, <laughs> it's unbelievable what they do. Although their third baseman, Jose Ramirez, is one of the best players in the game. And then Seattle making their first playoff appearance since 2001 yeah. when they won 116 games. They're at Toronto for three. Let, uh, I think I, I will go Toronto in that I'm one. Going to, too. I, I think Toronto wins that one. Seattle, as you said, first time in, in a long time. That's a if you don't have players with that playoff experience and and you know franchise that hasn't been there in a long time. They they've had some some seasons where they should have been and, and just struggled to get in. So uh, I, I'll take Toronto in that one. Cool thing about these playoffs, I think that every team in the National League, except. For Philadelphia, and I hope the Phillies aren't listening and don't get motivated by a stupid media guy in St. Louis, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cardinals represent the National League in the World Series, or the Padres, or the Mets, or the Braves, or the Dodgers. I really, truly believe that five of the six teams, watch Philadelphia go to the World Series, but <laughs> I, I think five of the six teams in the National League are capable. In the American League, I really don't. I think it's going to be Houston or the Yankees. It's, it's that simple. Yeah. Houston has been playing... New York was playing so well, and then the All-Star break hit, and then they just kind of fell off. And, and, and I mean, they had some injuries. Matt Carpenter getting injured was one of the he, issues for them. He'll be back during yep. these playoffs. Giancarlo Stanton missed some time for them as well. But I, I do think it's either the Astros or the Yankees uh, that come out of the, the AL side of it. And Houston, we, we talk about how Cleveland is able to develop pitchers. Houston developed three great young pitchers in no time at all. We look at the the struggles the Cardinals did. you got to go out and sign a Steven Mm -hmm. Mass. you got to sign a Michaelis. Houston just keeps developing young pitching. It's amazing. I mean, that 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 is obviously the ideal way to go about it, to to have them in your farm system, to bring them up, and they be able to be a part of a team that is winning and leading the AL side. Um, and it, the Cardinals do it, I think, with, with position players. They've mm-hmm. done a pretty good yep. job with position players, uh, but pitching is also a, a great way to, to make your team a better team. Okay, one other note here, because the Blues and Blue Jackets are tonight at 5 here on 101 ESPN, but there is Thursday Night Football that we don't have. That's Indianapolis at Denver. No Jonathan Taylor for the Colts. Yeah, I, this is... And by this the way, is, no uh, Williams, Yeah, right? Javante Williams is yeah. out for the year for the, for for the, the Broncos. Broncos. This is one of those matchups that you think that you usually see later in the season where teams are you're like, oh, here we go. It, it's a little early. I think when they put this, this matchup together, they thought these two teams would be better. Matt Ryan is going to have to find a receiver to throw the ball to with Jonathan Taylor out. And Russell Wilson is going to have to find a way to get over 250 yards passing at some point. He, he's just they, – they, they, they are not very good offensively right now, and they have to figure some things out. I kind of think Seattle's looking pretty smart here. Yeah. With the yeah. way that Geno's playing and the way that Russell's yeah. playing. They, they they knew something that we did not. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the Bron- for the Broncos, they're figuring it out right now. So I think Russ still has the capability to be a very good quarterback in this league. I just think he has to find some ways to make some plays. Still plenty of time for you to vote. We have nearly 1,000 votes in. And... Is the proper way to eat macaroni and cheese with a fork or a spoon on Twitter at Randy Carricker. You can go to Kerry Davis 38. You can go to Rock ESPN. Right now, 81.4% of the respondents saying that uh, the proper way to eat macaroni and cheese is with, indeed, a fork. That's the best way to go about it. But Rock, 18.6% say a spoon. I. Eighteen. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm rocking with my minority. Uh, these adults, we're gonna have to get you all some forks for for Thanksgiving and make sure that your mac and cheese is not 
too soupy. <laughs> I even had, I even had like people in my own life like like coming back against me who are saying like no sorry it's got to be a fork. I agree with Randy. It's, it's not even the people you trust. <laughs> okay, tomorrow. John Mozeliak will join us at 9.30. We're going to talk to Greg Amzinger at 7.30. Uh, Rocky, you have to help out here. Yes, sir. So uh, Greg Amzinger at 7.30. We'll also talk to uh, Lindenwood head coach Jed Stugart, mm-hmm. uh, Joey Vitale at 8.15. We're going to be uh, recording an interview with Phillies pitcher and St. Louis native Kyle Gibson today that you're going to mm-hmm. hear tomorrow during the show. And also Cardinals Spanish language broadcaster Polo Asensio will join us during the show as well. So it should be a huge day as we get ready for the Cards and Phillies game one that you will hear here on your home of the Major League Baseball playoffs one one ESPN first pitch tomorrow 107 for the Cards and Phils and Padres and Mets tomorrow night at six. Great job by our producer engineer, the one the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. CD. Go Hawks. Go Hawks have a Friday night this week. We do at Ladue. All right. Be, uh, gonna be fun. Go. I'm excited about that one. <laughs> How often do Rams win in St. Louis? <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> For all of us, we thank you for texting in, tuning in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.